anybody on that stage who has a job in the United States legislature to this point cannot say shit about DACA because they have not done a single thing to fix that. So for what reason should I want to make any more money than I make right now? If you're just going to continue to take more and more of my money, why should I want to make any more money? There was, if you ask me, an obvious bias from NBC, from the host of the debate. Welcome to the south of the streets, coming at you every week with this food for thought. Hope you're ready to eat. With everything going on in this nation, we need some information. And that's why salt need to be stationed in your rotation with real talk and real topics. Real people, real problems. Think we need some help to solve them and leave it up to Colin and the Donovan. Cause that's the one. What's that? Oh, let's get ready. And just like a red, white, and blue phoenix rising from the ashes of political bipartisanship, we are back. Salt of the Streets podcast. This is Saturday, June 29th, 121 p.m., episode 63. And welcome back, everybody, to the Salt of the Streets. It's 122? Yeah, it switched like as I was talking. We should just wait for a minute so you can say it's 122. <laughs> it's 123. Well, by the time I get this done with this, it'll be 123. So welcome back, everybody, to the Salt of the Streets podcast, your one and only source for social and political commentary on all the weekly news, pop culture, and sports that you can handle. And the best part about the whole deal is it's built for from the ground up for people like you and me, the everyday normal person. So come join us as we discuss life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and continue our endless efforts to bridge the gap between people and information. As always, we are your hosts. I'm Colin. I'm Donovan. And coming up on this week's show... I am just fucking fumbling all over my words this you morning. You fired through it, though. I tried. You know, I'm just trying to make the 123. Did we make it? <laughs> <laughs> but coming up on this week's show, Wednesday and Thursday this week were the first presidential Democratic debates. And so we're going to talk about all that. And then there's about a million and a half different topics that we can spin off from. And so we're just going to kind of start with night one and just see where it goes from there. Mm-hmm. So you got a lot to look forward to. And I think other than that, I already told you my leather sheet story in the pre-show. So yeah, it's be gross. sure to check that shit out. Hey, have you ever seen Handmaid's Tale? I have not seen Handmaid's Tale. Um, I started watching it like two weeks ago because Jordan and her sister have been watching it. Mm-hmm. And... So, you know, I know people have been talking about it since it started. Yeah, know? because like, there's... It's like, you know, that's this is where America's going and, you know, all this stuff and yeah. oh, whatever. So, I was like, well, I'm sure that that's, like, pretty extreme. You know, I've never seen the show. It's whatever. And so, then I was watching it and I got irritated because that's so extreme yeah. that I was frustrated. Like, then I was like, I can't believe that anybody even fucking said that. It, it's... Is radical. You should watch it because um, it's a great show. I hear the um, books are way better than the show, and that's I've been thinking know, about getting the audio. Generally, book. how it goes. Yeah, um, I've had that audio book, the first one, in my wish list for a while. I just haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. Well, and you can tell that this was a book, like the mm-hmm. way that it's. I mean, the main character just speaks. In like nothing but metaphors and similes, you know, and it, which is like translates well in a book, but in yeah. TV, you're like, dude, shut the fuck up. Chill. Like, I, dude, you're not smart. Like, you're not cool. Like, you're not <laughs> just shut the fuck up, you know? Um, but it's, it's a good show. It's really fucked up. There's a lot of interesting things that go on in it, you know? But yeah, I mean, people are like, 
you know, women can't have jobs anymore and then they like, they can't do anything. They like aren't allowed to have bank accounts. They take all the money out of their bank accounts and put it in their husband's bank account. And there's this whole series and of like really ludicrous events and the president, Congress and the Supreme Court are all murdered on the same day. Like, yeah, everyone is murdered like on the same day and like all this. And it's like a bunch of stuff like that where I'm like, dude, fuck you forever even having said that you know what i'm mm. saying it's i don't know and then when i was watching it because jordan's watching it with me you know like just when we're together and whatever and i told her i was like it's like there's no way i was like can you imagine if something did happen where someone was able to or a group of people were able to gun down a majority of congress like can just you wipe off imagine the the fucking swarm of people with guns that would just descend on upon the like the capital just to defend democracy itself you know what i'm saying like oh yeah like regardless of the military any anybody that is active duty or mil- like you know what i'm saying military just regular people that's like fuck you this is america and just go there to be like no i'm here and i got an ar-15 oh, yeah. and i got guns and i'm ready to do this shit like Let me think about like the national guard the reserves divisions that are in every state the yeah. the police force i mean there's no way because this is just like it's just a group of like powerful dudes you know like dudes with a bunch of money that plot to do this and yeah just like conscript everyone in the armed forces into their new military for like mm-hmm. this, this gilead is what gilead. that's what their area is called like yeah see it's a great basis for like a dystopian novel like that yes because it kind of harkens to some of the early you know human history you know the way women were treated and how they were you know seen as lesser humans for whatever reason even though right. they're the ones that create fucking life and all this stuff right. and to me that analogy that's been used the whole handmaid's tale and everybody's you know dressing up in the robe and the white hats and things for protests yeah that's just as much of a stretch as calling everybody a fucking nazi yes it's the same thing it doesn't make any sense if yeah. anything you're you're downplaying how terrible the people in these stories are <laughs> right, or you're downplaying right. how bad right. hitler is when you compare hitler to fucking uh all I, I'm trying to Crowder, Stephen Crowder, yeah, and Ben Shapiro. Yeah, yeah, guys, guys, that's you're not doing yourself any favors. Yeah. Well, and I thought, I mean, like I said, because I hadn't seen the show, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. so it's just like a metaphor for like you know controlling women. Yeah. You know, but there are people who are like, this is literally turning into The Handmaid's Tale. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, we already have a dictator in office, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. The uh, so what do you think about that? That whole when there's a part of pop culture that mm-hmm. just becomes smothered in politics, whether it's a TV show like The Hand, the Handmaid's Tale or, you know, just, I mean, anything that like, like... Saturday Night Live? Yeah, Saturday Night Live where it's just purely, you know, all the late night comedy shows mm-hmm. are all hard left now. You know, that, it ruins things for me. Like, there's a reason I haven't gone through those books yet. It's because they're just... I'm going to have a hard time separating the political bullshit that's tied to it in contemporary, you know, times compared to To what, like, like how good it actually is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's definitely the case. I mean, it presenting anything like that with that type of ideology behind it um, or narrative behind it, you know, 
is is going to isolate a certain amount of population just like by definition you mm-hmm. know so many people who don't agree with you and so they don't want to see that and then there's going to be a whole nother group of people that you know don't want to see politics on their late night shows so they're not going to watch it because they're like I, this is not why i come here is to hear you talk about the government all the time because mm-hmm. that's why i'm not watching the news you know i think that it's really i mean because it's <clears throat> I never watched David Letterman or Jay Leno religiously, but the times that I did watch them, it didn't seem overly political, mm. you know? And it's mostly it's, like <clears throat> hardcore pop culture type and stuff. And there's a constant discussion of politics on the new late night shows that I think is reflective of the tying of the two, you know? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't help that we have a president that made his living in pop culture before becoming a president, you know? Yeah. And that's how he got part of how he got where he's at, you know, mm-hmm. is just that same lifestyle and like air about him that he carried when he was fucking Donald Trump. You know, I was watching little rascals yesterday. This motherfucker. Oh, little rascals. Motherfuckers really? in little rascals. He's the dad of the rich kid in little rascals. No way. Yes. And that's why I was like, I've seen this movie a million times. That's so crazy. A million times I've seen this movie, and I didn't remember he's in this movie. Man. So, yep, the guy. Well, the, that's like Home Alone 2. We watched oh, it this right. last Christmas, right. and I was like, I keep hearing the Trumps in this movie, and I see, oh, there it is. There, there it, it is. is. Yep. He, the kid that, you know, <sighs> he's sitting there in his fucking super crazy go-kart thing, and he calls his dad, and then it pans over to the stands and fucking young-ass Donald Trump. And he's sitting there, and I was like, "Oh, what the fuck?" And he answers the phone, and he says, "says you know whatever, I love you, I love you, like you're the best son that money can buy." That's what he says. Yeah, hangs up the phone. Oh yeah. my god, there he that's, is! Look at him. That's what I'm saying here. And I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" Yeah, dude, isn't that funny? That is so weird. So he's in so many random little things. Yeah. And it doesn't, I mean, there's also so many celebrities that aren't Donald Trump. Like, they're not running for political office. Like, there was also the woman from was Sex in the City that ran for Congress in New York City, right? Horseface? And so, um, no. No, 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 no with it, the red yeah. hair. Um, yes. What's her name? And, you know, there's people talking about Oprah Winfrey running for president and, like, shit like that. And it that type of stuff doesn't help when you have people that are constantly i mean and that's that's what you get because they're real people you know but it doesn't help the two being tied together when you have celebrities constantly espousing their political views that are just causing more debate and discourse that is not productive under their threads you know their pictures their whatever the fuck that they're posting yeah it's 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 not it's the old discord versus discourse yeah it's it's not productive yeah look at this on the set of fresh prince yeah. Sit next to Will Smith. You should tweet that picture out real quick. Oh, shit. Where'd it go? Tweet it out from your... Here, you do it. It would take me an hour. Oh, I'm yeah, like, I'll do it. I'll, I'll look it up. I have my, a social media. Here. Um, and you can find that on our uh, personal social medias. I'm at alpaca underscore Donovan on Twitter and at uh, salt of the street on... Or salt of the street on Twitter at alpaca underscore Donovan on Instagram. He's at Big Bird Afi on both of those things. Uh, we also have our salt of the streets Instagram at salt of the streets. Our Salt of the Streets Facebook, our YouTube, go ahead and follow us there, like us, you know, subscribe to us, hit the little bell, the notifications, all the stuff, because it's where these videos are. And I'll say it one more time, share it with your friends, tell your friends yep, to share it. Absolutely. 
And you can find all that at saltofthestreets.com. That's where everything that we put up is at. Episode links and everything, all the other extra information is on the episode part of the website, the media part of the website with the episode posting. Boom skis. Thank you. This guy gets everywhere, man. Just Google Donald Trump in movies. There's so many. <coughs> it's absolutely insane. Oh, man. So that actually semi-reminded me of something. Oh, what was it going to be? Something to do with politics and pop culture. I got nothing. I don't know. But anyways. Way to go. Yeah, such a disaster zone. I know. I have so many random notes spread throughout because I did it like you this week where I was like old school pen and paper notes. Yeah. Because um, you're a biter. And then I'm realizing that uh, my handwriting at like speed is almost illegible to, even to me, well, that's which is shit. rough, dude. Yeah, that's no good. You got to be able to at least read your own handwriting. Yeah. You know? Fuck if anyone else can read it. You got to be able to read it. I mean, I have to do a lot of technical writing for my day job, but like, I don't know, there's a specific like way to do that in the format that we have to do in it. And I've gotten really a whole lot better there. But if I'm just like scribbling notes for my own good, mm-hmm. it's not for my own good. It's very counterintuitive to what I'm trying to get done here. But I got pages of notes today, so we have about a million and a half places to start here. Um, But I think we should probably just start off with night one, Wednesday, June 26th at 6 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. Mm -hmm. We started the first of the presidential Democratic debates. And... We've done this on the pre-show, and I'm going to try to get through it really quick. But the first (laughs) lineup of the night was New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, Tim Ryan, who, again, I'm going to forget who the hell. I think he's a state rep. Ohio. Ohio representative. Yeah, Ohio State Representative Julian Castro, the former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under the Obama administration. New Jersey Senator Cory Booker, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, former Texas State House Rep Beto O'Rourke, Amy Klobuchar, Senator from Minnesota, Tulsi Gabbard, State Rep from Hawaii, Jay Inslee, Governor of Washington, and John Delaney, who is the former representative of a Maryland district. Six, I think you said. Six, I think. Yeah, I'd have to Google it, but either way. He's a former. He's he doesn't even have a day job right now. His day job is running for president. He was an entrepreneur before. Yeah, he ran for or before he was a representative, and who Actually, I think <coughs> I did a him. good job as far as substantive, substantive answers. But he just was so he just was not a good personality to like. He didn't have a good stage presence and, and well, stuff like and that. he. I mean, we'll get more into no, it. No, as time no, goes no, by, no, no. I have no. So I was just trying to figure out the right way to put this. Right. So mm-hmm. there was, if you ask me, an obvious bias from NBC from the host of the debate. Right. Because just a little because bit. Because <clears throat> Elizabeth Warren, all she had to do was say one thing, and her microphone was already on. Yep. John Delaney's over there screaming for five fucking minutes before they even think about turning his fucking microphone oh, on yeah. and giving him a moment to talk. So there is. 
like an obvious sway on who they want to have the most time, oh, yeah. regardless of what they have to say. Because if you ask me, the person I heard the most, like the best things from night one, Tim Ryan, John Delaney. Oh, yeah. Like those were fucking, <laughs> bless you, those were my guys. Like, excuse me. That's where I was at for night one. I was like, where's Tim Ryan been at this whole time? Where because, has Tim Ryan because been? Because what the fuck? Like, this is my guy. If I had to vote right now, Tim Ryan's my fucking guy. Like, yep. What the shit? You if know? I had to vote that way, yeah, yes. definitely. So I don't. I thought that that was very interesting, but like you said, it, it's it was evident, you know. Yeah, um, and I think before we get into specifics, I yes. wanted to talk to you a little bit about the general format of this so-called debate, right? Ten is the, a lot of people. Ten is a lot of people, and I mean, this is worse than any. CNN checkerboard screen of pundits getting on there to talk for 15 seconds, right? That's really bad, yeah. So the the idea was at the beginning that each candidate would get 60 seconds to answer a question that they were asked. And there was going to be times where they would allow 30 seconds of follow-up to other people. Um, like if someone says your name, you get to respond. And Ideally, um, you're supposed to be – that's called in a debate setting, you're, you're invoked. being invoked. Yeah. Yeah, and so if you are invoked by a direct call out by somebody on that stage, you're supposed to be able to – you're supposed to be allowed to respond directly to that attack, right? Yeah. And that did not happen almost at all the first night. Right. It only happened one time in the second night, which we'll get into, but the th- – the thought that you're going to have any kind of semi-sophisticated, thoughtful answer to any of these hot-button questions in a in 60 seconds or 45 seconds, whatever it was. I think 45 played into something, something else like towards that, the yeah. end. But 60 seconds is not a lot of time to espouse views right. and give any kind of context. And so the, starting right off the bat here, this is a completely terrible – Format to try to spread ideas on what you're running. I think ten is too many. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know how long there wasn't like a debate team in any of my schools. I mean, maybe there wasn't. Only I don't know. I was way too busy doing other shit to give a fuck. But yeah, I couldn't um, even tell you if there was one in mine. But I don't know like what the standard time is to get on a debate. You know, mm-hmm. if one minute is standard after you present your initial argument or whatever you know um but it's usually sorry big yawn yeah but no you're right that's that's not very much time to to try and explain anything but um that seems going standard especially if you have 10 people on stage but and just going into this thing with that understanding of like oh these are going to be some bullshit answers we're going to have to try to find the gems that they're really trying to talk about. You're going to have to right. try to pull in context and then try to determine what they actually mean by their answers. Right, because they they have these 60-second clips rehearsed. So they have things already written out and that they've talked about. They know that they have it timed out to, you know, 48 seconds or whatever, and then they have 12 seconds to keep going on, you know, whatever they're feeling fiery about about that minute so that they can keep going until they really stop them or cut their fucking microphone off because most of these guys are going to go for another 10, 15 seconds after their time, you know. It was disgusting. The amount of over-talking and trying to just insert yourself into a conversation when people are trying to move on, it, it was just, for one, it was poor form. I get why they were trying to do it. Because everybody was fighting for the most amount of of time, and I think even even worse on the second night, 
Right. And well, and then night two went the one time that Joe Biden did like concede and was like, oh, my time is over. Oh, you know? yeah. Now he's catching shit for it. They're like on the way here. I'm listening to the NPR podcast and they're like, and that's being used as a metaphor for, you know, people who think that his time is over and my he doesn't need over. to be. Yeah. And like, come the fuck on, dude. No. Because he's following the rules now. Like it's, you know, he's aged out. I don't. I think it was a cop out for sure. Yeah. But oh, absolutely. But it was still. I mean, that he was getting fucking grilled by yeah. Kamala Harris and Kamala yeah. Harris. Getting and we'll talk about that more because I feel like he should have swung back a little differently. Yes. But so for the first night, what was? I mean, of course, the night, the one all star on that whole stage was Elizabeth Warren, right? And so in a field of more or less, you know class b candidates at this point she was mm-hmm. about the only class a you might even say cory booker or amy klobuchar but i just poll numbers wise i don't see them getting anywhere near anyone else no i mean i liked of those three i liked klobuchar of of those three you know but yeah. she's not my favorite on the stage by any means i, I appreciated that Tulsi Gabbard was the only person on the stage that talked about Saudi Arabia in any type of hostile format at all. Mm-hmm. Even when they, at the end, they got asked individually what the biggest national security threat was in the United States, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, two to three people said China. Not one person talked about the fucking Saudis at all, Mm-mm. right? Um, Bill de Blasio said Russia, which I thought was a, a legitimate answer. Mm-hmm. Um, Jansley said that it was Donald Trump because he's a piece of shit. Yeah. Um, a bunch of people said, you know, nuclear weapons, nuclear pro- prolif- proliferation, um, and climate change was mixed in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was obviously frustrated. I, I've nuclear proliferation is like, I feel like that's like a cop out answer. You know what I'm saying? It's, mm-hmm. that's oh, oh, no shit. Of course, of course, that's a national security threat. Of course, we don't want that to be happening right now. And that's not really what the question is, you know, but that's, that's the way they interpret it, I'm sure. So there's nothing yeah. I can really say about that. But uh, yeah, I, I thought that it was interesting, especially when you're talking about state sponsors of terrorism or national security. You're not talking about the Saudis. No yeah. one is going to talk about the weapons deals that are going on with them or anything like that. No one's going to bring it up. You know what I'm saying? It's Tulsi Gabbard has to bring it up when she's being attacked directly, having to do with like terrorist groups inside of the Middle East. You yeah. know? And so I just don't. I have a huge problem with that, but that's not a bigger focus, you know, mm-hmm. and that Russia is not a bigger focus. Like I think people also mentioned Iran. I think there was. I don't remember who it was, but certainly someone mentioned Iran, but maybe Amy Klobuchar. It was um, she might have mentioned it, yeah. But I, it was most any foreign policy question that was asked because there was only basically one, and it was right. directed to Gabbard because nobody else on there really talks about foreign policy at all. Nobody wants to because the, in my view, anyways, the state of politics as it is right now. Running on a foreign policy ticket is not going to get you the election. It's not going to, you're not going to win. And so her being basically the only career veteran on stage, it just, that question defaults to her because she's obviously the one that has outspoken thoughts right. on well, that. Well, and that's not what's being covered in the news, you know, other than Iran. Like that's the yeah. only. And Iran is like, only being covered in the context of the Trump presidency and they're trying to start a war and yeah, right. If there's no real substantive discussion being done there, right? Because if you had 
is if you had a different administration, because not even a president, because we talked about the, the president has really done nothing but talk about how he doesn't want war with Iran, you know? Yeah. That's really all that he said this whole time is that he doesn't want to go to war with Iran. And it's the other people in, in his administration, the Mike Pompeo, the John Bolton, the people working under them, that are leaning more towards military action with Iran, mm-hmm. right? So it's not even a president. If you have an administration that's more dovish on war with Iran, that doesn't want to go to war with Iran as a whole, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's – this. It's not even going to be talked about, you know, no. because it's it's aligning with the with. Man, I don't even understand why we're assuming that Mike Pompeo or the intelligence agencies are lying anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't. To me, it shows. Like, I don't. I don't want to sit here and talk about fucking bias in the media all day, you know. But it shows obvious bias to me towards Mike Pompeo, towards John Bolton. They're like, oh, these guys just want to go over the war with Iran. Well, no shit, they're more aggressive. But let's talk about actual, legitimate, like that our intelligence agencies and now other countries are saying that this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. So why is the story still that? That they're just trying to go to war with Iran. Like, why is that still the narrative? When that's obviously not the case. If you've read a fucking article other than a headline, you know that that's not the case. But the general narrative is that, you know, Trump bad. So everything that is in his orbit is bad too. Right. Like, even if he does something good, you can't praise him for that because he, you've labeled him a fucking racist Nazi enemy of the state. I saw a video from the BBC. Where they had reporters that were taken to the ships that were attacked by the United States military and other militaries that were in the area. And they were shown the explosions, the damage in the hole. And they're like, this is not a missile. Like, this is not what a missile looks like. This is not what a missile strike looks like. This is not what the explosion would look like if it was a missile, if it was a torpedo. This is not what it would look like. Like, Mm -mm. We're telling you this is an exterior explosive that was detonated on the outside of the hole. That is what created this. You know, they have pieces of the fucking mine there that like are (laughs) they're like in the water and shit that are lodged in the boat. They have like the magnets that were used to stick it on there. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't. It just I don't understand. It's a complete turnaround from the their stance on, say, the intelligence community during the Mueller probe. Right. And now all right. of a sudden, so first we have to listen to Mueller, let Mueller do what he's saying because the Justice Department, or not the Justice Department, but, you know, the intelligence community as a whole is a rock-solid institution right. that we can trust, we have to trust, and they're going to help us overthrow Trump. And then all of a sudden you don't get the answers you like, and now all of a sudden the overwhelming majority opinion of the intelligence community community doesn't mean shit because it runs counter to your narrative two years ago the media was talking about how all of the intelligence communities had corroborated that the russians had interfered with the election and that trump was a liar and all this shit and you know he's denying his own intelligence communities and now that this like you said the same thing is happening with iran all of a sudden we're like well you know we didn't, what about what happened with uh you know with the iraq war and the intelligence communities and all this stuff like well yeah but you're not talking about like, you didn't have a, a key figure in the White House, which is a fucking Dick Cheney. You don't have a Dick Cheney who has almost unilateral control of fucking everything foreign relations-wise in the White House, in the executive branch. He doesn't have an office in the fucking State Department, also, what, in the FBI or whatever. Like, the he's Pentagon. got yeah, four or five different fucking offices all over the place because he's got hands and shit. Dick Cheney was being fed raw intel, unvetted. And then he can decide what they're going to act upon, where he's going to send troops. 
because based off of optics at that point I, and the bottom line. I don't understand no big contracts for Halliburton. I don't understand how those two things can be compared so directly. Dick Cheney is not the same thing as fucking who who's the vice president? What, Mike Pence? Those are not the same fucking guys. Like that's those are not the same guy. Polar so, opposites. Know, like polar opposites. I don't, here. I don't understand why those two oh. are being. I I I understand the similarities because they're both countries in the Middle East. We're talking about terrorism. We're talking about weapons of mass destruction. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about nuclear proliferation. I understand the parallels between the two, but I'm talking about the structural background of the government. In regards to military action in those countries, we are not looking at the same thing here. Mm-mm. I know there is so much pushback in the Senate and in the House in from the Republicans and the Democrats that the current AUMF does not support military action in Iran. There's very few people on the Republican side that are saying that it does. Very few people that are saying that it does and that we yep. should act on it. The vast majority are saying that it does not cover military action in Iran, regardless if you're talking about terrorism, weapons of mass destruction, anything. It does not cover Iran. They're not going to let it happen. I don't understand how, like, I, I, it's, it's so obvious. The bias in it is so obvious mm-hmm. that it's, it's fucking gross. You know? Yep. It's, you, you, they have to pick a side because you can't keep flip flopping on whose word you go with just solely based off of which, Right. Which opinion best supports your current narrative right now? Your narrative has to change based on the facts on the ground. That's the way it should be. But unfortunately, of course, that's not what's what's happening in today's politics. The So going back to Tulsi Gabbard again real quick. She was <laughs> yes. the only one that really focused on that, that issue, right? Right. And she had – I think she handled it very well. Um, for one, just optic-wise, she she looked really put together on the stage. She had a good stage presence. She had this really cool thing that, like, she had this gray hair streak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I dude, did like that. The guys on fucking commentary podcast gave her so much shit. They shit for looking on her? Like, I don't know who in the Adams family apparently that has that that Morticia hairstyle. Morticia Adams. Type of thing. There you go, Morticia Adams. Yeah. You never and seen the Adams like, family? No. What? It's just not my bag. I don't Dog. Know. Maybe. That's a classic, that of saying. Well, that's what I hear. You don't need to watch all four of them or whatever. Just watch the one, you know? I thought it was a TV show. It was, but like the like the like the, the good ones the movie. Now, well, but the big things now are the movies. Like that's mm. like what you know, people are talking about the Adam Sandler. They're talking about the movies okay. that they made. So it's not like going like, back and watching Green Acres. I don't even know what that is. Wow. So, See? so you got me there. Green Acres is an old show about a bunch of like country bumpkin family that's that like i think they win the lottery or something like that and they get a ton of money and then they kind of just it's like a sitcom typey old it's, school sitcom it's about like the like, beverly hillbillies right is that like the same thing you know it might be what's the story to the beverly hillbillies that, maybe that is that's the beverly hillbillies right i don't know i don't know what's the what green is, acres green acres did i get those mixed up it just shows you how much i've fucking seen these things Green Acres is the place to be, or something like that. I don't know. Green Acres, 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb. Backwood farmer Jed Clampett, Jim Carney, strikes oil on his land, and soon he and his clan have moved to the posh surroundings of Beverly Hills, California. As Jed, Granny, Cloris Leachman, Ellie May, Erica Eleniak, and Jethro. Ellie May? 
Yeah. That's funny. And Jethro, adjust to completely new surroundings and culture, they must deal with an unscrupulous banker, Dabney Coleman, and his employees who are scheming to get their money. Luckily, the banker's top assistant, Lily Tomlin, develops a soft spot for the Clampets. Okay, so that's Beverly Hillbillies. Yes. So Green Acres is New York lawyer Oliver Wendell Douglas longs for a simpler way of life. So he buys a farm, sight unseen, and moves there to live off the land. Much of the chat, much to the chagrin, the chagrin of his socialite wife, Lisa, the collision of small town life and Lisa's sophisticated ways. She insists on wearing full length gowns and ostentatious jewelry, even on the farm. Provide much of the humor in the show. So essentially, it's like old school show. Yeah. This is from the 19, 1965 and it ran through 71. So like Hogan's Heroes and shit? Mm hmm. Yep. You know what I'm talking about? Hogan's Heroes? Yeah. Um, yeah. Hogan's Heroes. That was supposed to be a really good one. I've That's, never actually seen it. Oh, really? Things, yeah. Dude, my cousin Alan fucking loves Hogan's Heroes. That's I went to Florida once when I was 13 and stayed there for like a week or 10 days or something like that. This motherfucker watched Hogan's Heroes at least half of those days. That it's like on, you know, whatever channel fucking MASH is on, it's on the same channel as MASH. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Hogan's Heroes. Interesting. Loved that shit. Yeah, it's... It is interesting because I don't, I mean, I don't hate it, but I also didn't like it and I didn't really like MASH either. Oh, know? yeah. This is like the one where they're in really... a POW camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, there's like yes, a dunderhead exactly. German soldier and yes, stuff. Yes. Okay. Yeah, they're being guarded by Nazis the whole time. Yeah. yeah. It's it's super weird, right? You definitely super couldn't weird. make that today. Like, no. that wouldn't be acceptable to have people dress up as Nazis, you know, for nope. a TV show. Nope. Can't people do that. would be cool with that. Yeah. God, that's funny. Well, since we did take this little rabbit hole, I did remember what I was going to tell you about earlier. Perfect. So it's kind of in in lines with the the Dick Cheney movie, right? (sighs) Yeah. There's a new, I guess it's a mini series coming out on Showtime about Roger Ailes and Fox News. It's called The Loudest Voice. Um, It's coming out soon. Uh, Russell Crowe in you know is channeling his inner Christian Bale and has got the big old fatness going on playing. Old Roger Ailes. Channing Tatum? Is no, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. I think he said Channing Tatum. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know. Hmm. Maybe you just got Shannon Tatum on the mind. I guess I mean, so. I get it. He's a very beautiful man. Shannon so. Tatum. Shannon Tatum. <laughs> He's in it. Seth MacFarlane, the creator of Family Guy, America. Yeah, Dad, yeah. The, the amazing lounge singer as well, by the way. Who's also surprisingly pretty dude. Like I didn't, oh, yeah. I didn't good expect that to be the case. And I'm He's like, well, handsome, who the fuck man. are you? Like, yeah. I know, what do you mean you made Family Guy and then also you fucking sing jazz? Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? I like, listen cool. to his music all the time. Yeah, fuck it's him. It's so good. It's, it's basically just a modern day Frank Sinatra era stuff. It's like what Michael Buble started doing before he went all poppy and weird yeah um but yeah really fucking good like i don't why do you get to do all that like what's what the fuck is that about because he's got that family guy money dude he gets to do whatever he wants that's horseshit but he's actually in it plays brian lewis um roger ailes is pr exec yeah yeah, i heard that name so i know that motherfucker yeah man yeah it's coming out soon i can't wait to watch it it's gonna be good yeah so especially because it's a mini series it shows me that's it's a set storyline it's you know so I have a feeling it's going to be very similar to the uh, the Dick Cheney movie, Vice. That was a great movie. 
But there was this thing about Tulsi Gabbard when she was asked about this stuff, right? Yes. She talked about essentially my view on this. My the the what my takeaway from what she said was essentially pull away from the Middle East period, full stop. Mm-hmm. Get everybody out. We don't belong there anymore. She made some weird comparisons with Al Qaeda and how like Al Qaeda isn't necessarily like our enemy anymore. Like they were, but we took care of that, and now we just need yeah. to leave them alone. Like. Because we just don't speak the same language. And, that's and not she, literally, but like just in, in geopolitics. Yeah, that she was saying that when it, in direct discussion with Tim Ryan, she's saying that the problems that existed there happened way before us and they're going to exist way after our our involvement, interference yeah. there, whatever you want to call it, you know? Yeah, which, which makes sense too. And it's true, you know? And – of all of the different documentaries that I have watched about, you know, the 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 different Gulf Wars, the wars in Afghanistan, and you know, whatever the fuck you want to call them, you know, I don't, I don't watch some of those Vice documentaries about the 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 war documentaries about the Middle right. East and Yemen, right? And especially there's a really great couple of movies that are that's called like uh, Restrepo, and mm-hmm. then there's like another one that that's a, a part of movie Korangal. Um, and those talk a lot about the politics because they're, you know, the, the commanding officers of those platoons that are working with the leadership of the tribes in that area, you know, and they're talking about like, we don't have the time that is required to be here to help solve these problems. Like that's, we are three generation problem. We are not here for long enough at a time to deal with it. Like you need to have someone here for years at a time to begin to deal with this. And we can't do that. We're only allowed to be here for nine months at a time. You know, like that's, then you got to change over and there's new people in. And the first three months that you're there, like they, the, this same thing from so many people that, the first three months you're there, you're getting used to what the last people talked about. You know, yep. you're having to be briefed about everything the last group of people that were there talked about. And that middle three months, you're really kind of cooking things and you're like, okay, we got this. Like we're figuring things out. The last three months, you're going to, you got to get everything ready to go. You yep. have to get ready so that you can tell the next person what you were doing while you were there and then you can leave. So you you're know? talking like a six months period. Like maybe. That's, that's not enough time to try and work with those people, especially nope. if there's not going to be a 100% consistent message with every single person they're communicating with until the problem is dealt with. Yeah. You know, that's not Cause a lot of people forget that they have a completely s- different way of existence right. in that part of the, that part of the world. And it's been that way for a long time. And I want to be clear, me saying that there's not enough time in those deployments is not me championing longer deployments or anything like that. That is not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that the way that it's currently set up, there's not, it's not yeah. set up to be truly conducive to solving this problem in the Middle East is mm-hmm. what I'm getting at. I'm not I'm not saying that people should be there yeah. long or anything like that. And I think that's her her point that she tries to right. get to is that we're just the system we have in place and the way it works over there does not work because it's just we are not built to operate in that kind of timeline. Right. We never have been and we never will be unless we drastically systematically change our our whole overview on the Middle East and our presence there. And I think she's the only one that can speak to that with any kind of true reverence because she's right. actually been deployed twice to Afghanistan. Right. And Tim Ryan was talking about was excuse me accusing her of, you know, saying that, well, we need to just retreat back to the United States and just, you know, huddle up and just only worry about us. And I don't think she's saying we need to only worry about us, but I think that her point, really, like you were saying, is that 
we couldn't get the job done over there. We did what we needed to do, and the part of Al Qaeda and the Taliban that is a problem or was a problem is is quashed. You and know? killed all of those so, people. So we need to come home and just yeah. you know make sure we are still monitoring over there. We still know what the fuck is going on, but we need to kind of keep our shit at home, bring people back home, and let them be here because we don't need to be actively involved in what's going on there. You know, yeah. we can be covertly involved as we should be as we for the next three generations, you know, but we don't need to have an active military presence in that country like we have now. Mm -hmm. It's what she's talking about, you know, which I think is fair to say. You know, the thing that I really, really like about Tulsi Gabbard is she's like one of the only people talking about cutting the military budget, you know, yeah. and on all of the different tax plans that everyone's talking about, the things they want to implement and all this stuff, they're just talking about raising taxes. They're not talking about cutting the military budget. And I'm not talking about fucking cutting it in half. I'm not talking about gutting it. I'm not talking about laying off people in the military because that would be fucking ignorant. I'm talking about maybe don't spend more. For yeah, the next couple of years. Off. Just don't increase it for the next couple of years. Cut it by fucking 4%, you know? Let that be okay. Because yeah. I know that there's a lot of shit that gets gets wasted, that gets left behind, that gets whatever, you know? there's It's a big problem. There is shit that happens. And that's, that's not to say that there's not also people who don't have what they need because there's no shortage of people who are out in the field for weeks at a time that don't have the shit that they need. You nope. know what I'm saying? Their clothes are falling off when they get back to base because yeah. they've been in them for three fucking and weeks. And that's not at a time. for like, lack of funding. It's for lack of correctly proper logistical, right. you know, correct carry appropriation through. of funds. Like that's, yeah. you know. And I want to just add this too because I don't, there is, you know, you you talk about Tulsi Gabbard and pulling out of the Middle East, essentially, right? Yeah. And you can kind of come to that conclusion based off of a lot of things. And the general comeback that people would, would bring up is the fact that the minute you leave, you're going to leave that power vacuum again. And we're going to be looking at another Libya situation, which I understand is a – that's a very credible thing to look at, which is why you can't just – walk away cold turkey you still have to have some kind of presence there but you can't force because democracy it's kind, of, it's kind of too late to walk away at this point. right you know what i mean you can't force democracy on a group of people that don't want democracy you can't force a governmental system on people that don't want it or are not going to actively take part in it you know and that's again there's a whole number of reasons there are people who are afraid to take part in a democratic system that exists there but there's if there are not enough people who are going to take part, there's going to be a legitimate leader there, then it's not – it doesn't make sense. You can't force that into a country and that's – we've been shown that, you know. Yeah, and that's time US, and time again. We're consistently accused of, you know, backing what a shadow governments and all, all kinds of shit, you know, because we're – whatever. And, you know, there's sometimes where that's been very legitimate and there's other times where maybe it hasn't been and it's – you can't force that on a group of people that don't want it or don't want to take part in it. You know, mm -hmm. you can't make people do something they don't want to do, especially in regards to governing their whole fucking country. You yeah. know, it doesn't work like that, yeah. man. So when the the like you said the, I guess morals, for lack of a better term, just lie in a different place. You know, and that's not me saying, oh, well, the people in the Middle East are immoral. Like that's not what I'm trying to get at. But just they the, just have a completely the, right, different society. The, yeah, the lifestyle, the ethics, the morals are completely different. Even mm -hmm. in non fucking Sharia law communities, you know, people who are just devout Muslims. That's that's a it's a whole different lifestyle. And that's not to say that they can't assimilate to America because they obviously can. There's yeah. no shortage of fucking Muslim people in America. You know, no. but there's some more devout or more whatever you know that you want to call that it's 
Just like any offshoot of Christianity, there are a number of different sects, and the people that identify with a certain religious sect will think and act differently in their daily lives. I mean, fucking Christian scientists, dog, letting their kids get sick and shit. Pete Buttigieg is a a Christian, a Christian man who is he's he's gay, he's young, he's he's super Christian, you know, but he's super Christian. He cares deeply about religion and faith Mm -hmm. and that some christians would say that a gay man cannot be a christian right but obviously under certain sects of christianity you can be Mm -hmm. and that's totally fine and it's it's the same in like the jewish community there's all these different branches and sects of of the jewish tradition that are some are much more liberal some are much more conservative and it's just it goes either way and it's the same with the muslim religion it Right, right. It's, you get a spectrum all across the board. You're going to have extremists on one hand, and you're going to have like the non-practicing, more atheist Muslims than the other ones, the ones that were just right. like a lot of us just kind of brought up in a church part-time, but you just kind of went because your parents went and the values were right. talked about or whatever, but you just, well, I go to church, so I guess I'm a Christian. Right, and even just like, you know, you don't pray five times a day. When you do pray, you pray to Allah. You know, like that's yeah. like that's the same type of shit that I don't. Uh, and who yeah. gives a shit? Just it's covered under the First Amendment, dude. Just right. let people do what they want to do, yeah. as long as it doesn't infringe on the rights of others. And so there was one one point about Iran that I wanted to make, and I had the conversation with somebody earlier this week about you know how did we get to this situation with Iran, right? And we recently, I don't think we really talked about it that much because we had, last week, we had the Jake and Morgan show. Right. And so, we didn't talk Jake about the Downey. Show. Yeah, the Jake and Morgan show. They stole the show from us, man. They're that good at what they do on stage or on whatever you call this thing. On set. How about that? But, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. A lot of people, when they look at why there's problems in the Middle East right now, the the going narrative is the only reason there's problems in Iran it's because Trump pulled out of the nuclear deal. And I think that is a pretty common viewpoint. Mm-hmm. As misguided as I think it is. Because I think the true turmoil with Iran started back in the, was it 76? With the Iranian Revolution, which we, along with allies, helped back and overthrow the existing democratically elected government at the time and installed a dictator, which then, boom, got us to where we are today. With the Khamenei. Yes. Uh, yeah, the... Comdog. Comdog millionaire. Let's just go with that. <laughs> but anyway, <coughs> I think that how we got to Iran so is way more of a decades problem, yeah. not just because Trump pulled out of the nuclear deal. Well, and even if you just want to go back to Obama, I mean, when when they put the JCPOA, the Iran nuclear deal, into effect, they, that was only temporary. You know, mm-hmm. they knew that that what that's this is not going to work forever. This is only no. for now that we're talking about them limiting their nuclear production and and storage, and you know, we'll take off these sanctions. You know, so. Even the Obama administration knew that wasn't going to be there forever. I think they were hoping that the next administration would want to change the deal and maybe replace it with something as opposed to just withdrawing from it because it seems like something is a little bit better than nothing, especially right now you're talking about the nothing we replaced it with is 
sanctions and, you know, bombs on different fucking oil vessels. And, you know, now you're talking about the shooting down of a drone and, you know, threats and people will meet with each other at the G20. And it's like mm-hmm. a whole like this doesn't seem like it's better than limiting them the way that we had before. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. I mean, whether or not it was a good idea to pull out of the nuclear deal is one thing. I don't think I – mean, we may have talked about this back when it actually happened. The actual nuclear deal? Yeah. Oh, we definitely did. We definitely did. Oh, definitely. Back when we pulled out. But I even heard – and I wish I would have written it down – but there are the occasional Democrat that says that, yes, it was an imperfect deal. That's a uh, imperial IPA, double IPA. Word. Really smooth. Highly recommend. Give her a thrill. Cryo hops. Cryo hops, bro. cryo hops. Oh, Simcoe hops. Okay, talking from a guy who dabbled in the art of homebrewing for a while. Simcoe hops were my absolute favorite. Yeah. Because they add the most amount of, like, danky, I don't know if you want to call it the danky smell of the hops. Yeah, but they add a lot of good, it's got a lot of good bitterness qualities, and it's really smooth, but you get that real pungent hoppy smell for, like, an IPA. Oh, um, yeah, actually, I can use another beer chacho. Yeah, just rando would be good. Okay. Whatever's clever, homie. Um, so what? Sh- Bambino. Bambino. Yeah, these, the Hop Valley Brewing Company from Eugene, Oregon. Carolina bought this giant, Lots of like, 24 pack from Costco last week. You know what else is in Eugene? Ah, there we go. Um, 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 I mean, I know Dan Carlin lives close to Eugene. That's important to me. Yeah, that's not important to me. Oregon, Oregon. It's important who? to everybody. What is it? Quack quacks. It's important to everybody. I mean, can we just talk about vital to lifestyle? The ducks as a mascot. What do you mean? The mascot's like it. it looks like uh, fucking Donald Duck, bro. Oh, okay, that's perfect. We'll go with that as yeah. long as it's cartoony enough. Yeah. And I forget the point I was trying to make on Iran. Crap. Oh, the the improper nuclear deal and all this stuff. We recognize that there are. There's an imperfection to the nuclear deal, and See? even a few of the he does look like Donald Duck. Yeah. Where's, Dis- Oregon, where's Disney on copyright infringement? Um, you know, I think <laughs> I think that they work pretty pretty they, well. They probably hand. work yeah. well. So, and I think we had even taken this rough tilt back it's then. Based is through a special license agreement. So, oh, they, you know, they got a special yeah. special deal. They got a deal. Okay. Well, you know, I guess I'm okay with the ducks. The Seahawks have benefited quite greatly from the Ducks, have they not? This year? Over the years? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we get a lot of good yeah. talent out of that. Yeah. It's a good school, yeah. you know? So, I just wanted to make one more point before yes. I get too much off talk about this mm-hmm. nuclear deal. There was even a couple Democrats that recognized that the JCPOA was imperfect because the idea was they wanted to prevent Iran from becoming a nuclear power. And they couldn't quite fully do that, so they slowed the process down as much as possible. And so I think what a if a a good kind of center lane Democrat wanted to rejoin the JCPOA, reinstitute it if it was even possible, you could then work on bettering that deal again. Right. Well, I think it's one hundred percent possible because that's exactly what Iran has said that they want. They said yeah. that they're willing to negotiate. Is they just want. A, a deal in place. They want the sanctions gone, some type of deal in place, so they know that there's something there that they're building off of. Mm-hmm. And instead, this is what has happened, you know? So, 
I think that it's 100% possible. I think that it's probably one of the better options is to just put it back in place, take the sanctions back off, and then start to have a discussion that they said they're willing to have. I mean, mm-hmm. at this point, we've pushed – things have been pushed. I'm not going to say America has pushed, but things have yeah. been pushed, you know. Tensions to, have risen. To a point that maybe they're not interested in that now, and even that that might be a different deal on the table, you know. Yep. So I, I don't know. And I don't but know I think if that it, Iran, it was an option at one point, you know, yeah. whether it is now, I'm not sure because the, and not to interrupt you, but I mean, the comedian has showed that he, I don't even know if that's his correct title, but that's like, the what Ayatollah. The, I know that's, yeah, that's what it is. The Ayatollah. It's the supreme leader. The supreme leader of Iran. Yeah. Is Ali Khamenei. Ali Khamenei. It's the comedian. That's, that's yep, what I'm calling it. It's the comedian. And I knew what he looked like, and I knew that was his last name, but I wasn't sure if like that's what people called him. Mm-hmm. But that's what I'm going to call him is is the comedian. There you go. You're uh, not in Iran, so you're not so going to get your head cut off. So <laughs> just don't just don't visit anytime don't soon. Drone strike me, Iran, please. <laughs> um, if <laughs> I don't remember what I was saying, but yeah, I mean, yeah, we, yeah. oh, we he's the comedian is shown to be temperamental. You know, yes. he's shown to be very temperamental. You do one thing that you don't think is that big of a deal, and he's like, wait, fuck you. You know what I'm saying? Because it's a different culture. It's it's a whole other deal. You can't just – like you can't call somebody an asshole in that culture and expect to have a follow-up visit. Because that is a personal attack against somebody's character who happens to be the supreme leader and you cannot cross that line. And he also has to consider the way that he looks to the other Islamic leadership in the area. You know what I'm saying? Because they're all vying for his job. supremely important. Right. And it's been shown through history in the Middle East – he can be taken out if his if his party underneath him feels that he's not doing a good enough job. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He can be replaced like fucking that. So and usually it replaced means you are disappeared, murdered, or just exiled, or just flat out murdered. Again, that's just it's a different part of the world right. that operates in a different way. And I I give it to kind of tie it back to. To Tulsi again, I give it to her for trying to have an outlook that's actually informed on what's going on. Right. When it comes to Iran and foreign policy in the Middle East in general. Substance to the idea instead of just, well, we got to get out of the Middle East. Yeah. You know, reasons and actual like backing and well, these, this is why I don't think we need to be there. Not just we never should have been there, you know, but we went there for a reason. I know that because I was there, and now I'm telling you that we've done what we can, and we need mm-hmm. to come home. You know, and I that's think a different would... message than what everybody else is saying when they're talking about pulling out of the Middle East. And when it comes to pulling out of the Middle East, she would have a much better understanding of what is what's the bare minimum required to left there, right? Because right. she's been on the ground; she knows how it works. She probably has a, a better; she'll have a better relationship with the generals on the ground mm-hmm. that are managing all this. And they can actually come at the problem from the same place, from the same footing, and probably have a much better exit strategy than anybody else because she's actually had experience in it. Right. And that right there, though, was probably the only major airtime I think Tulsi had throughout the whole debate that night. Yeah, her her tiff with uh with Tim Ryan was really the big time. I mean, I think she yeah. got asked like one or two other questions. Um but definitely that was the big time that she had was when she was talking to Tim Ryan. Yeah. Um immigration was obviously a huge topic of discussion. Huge. Right? Um so I just kind of wrote down things as I was watching it like what mm-hmm. I was thinking, you know. Um and 
I noticed that when they're talking about the treatment of the children at the border, right? Um, which, so there have been increased reports in the last couple of weeks that there are, I think, seven children that have died at the border in different, you know, holding facilities. Um, and there's all, all kinds of fucked up reports about the conditions that they've been staying in, you yeah. know, and so there's increased disgust with what's going on and obviously protests and activity and just things that are going on to, to try and get this mitigated. Right. So there's all kinds of things that are leading to this there, you know, people are blaming the policy and like, well, it, it, we talked about it before. It, it's an mm-hmm. Obama era policy that was used then and is now being done in a really shitty way, you know, here. And part of it is the, immense amount of people that are trying to come through the border processing is taking so fucking long because there's more families trying to trying to claim asylum than ever before we've seen a drop in migration from the the single individual adult level and a massive rise in the family level which is again how we ended up at this this actual which the media is now calling a border crisis because right. now it's an actual border crisis, apparently. And the administration doesn't want those people to be released into the country while they're waiting. And so they're kind of trying to try to sit there and almost wait a little bit. Uh, like not, not the people there, but the like ICE and the workers there. They're actually having to kind of sit there and fuck around because they're not sure exactly what they're supposed to do. You know, there's mm-hmm. still discussions of sending people back immediately and having to wait in Mexico or wait in other Central American countries. You know, there's discussions. Like I said, they, they don't, the administration doesn't want them to just come into America and wait mm-hmm. for, for their court date. Um, cause the general idea on that, the general worry from, the opposite side is we can't let them into the country like that because they're going to come in, they're going to get their their date for their court hearing, and then they're just going to be ghosts. Right? They're going to disappear. Now you got more illegals flooding into the country. That's which I don't know. That's a totally. Different I think the numbers are actually thing. pretty good. That most people do show up. I would think court. so. Like I believe that that is the case. That most yeah. people show up for their court, and I don't. I remember hearing that, but I, I'm not going to attest to that. But I've I, I hear different things then. just based off of who I'm listening to. Right. You know, if I'm listening to Shapiro talk about it, in his mind, not a single asylum seeker ever comes back for their court date. Right. If you listen to him, and I think that is so unbelievable that that is a stance that you're willing to accept without actual data backing it up because it is right. so extreme. But the other thing that kind of made we should kind of touch on this. The one thing that made immigration such a heavy topic this first night was the day before that on Tuesday, the 25th, the photos of that, um, that man and his daughter dead in the banks of the Rio Grande trying to cross into America that died. It's a terribly tragic story. The The father, I guess, brought his daughter over to the bank or something like that. And then he went to go back real quick. And then she went swimming after him and then was drowning. So then he went for her and then they both drowned together. Yeah. Very, very, very tragic story. But that was kind of the catalyst moment to a lot of the immigration talk that went on. There was a lot of Spanish being spoken. Um, not very well by a couple people. I had Carolina come over. I was like, hey, listen to this. Listen to this. Is this good? And she's like, oh, my God. That's They have they cannot speak Spanish to save their lives, apparently. So, so Beto O'Rourke, Robert O'Rourke, yeah. um, 
and Cory Booker and and then Julian Castro. Um, they all spoke Spanish on stage. Can I for ask you a portion of it? Can I ask you how you felt about that and if you had any particular type of opinion on it? I don't necessarily care because the way that that it was gone about, like some of the questions were asked in Spanish. Yeah. And then, so they would ask, they would say a portion of it in Spanish and then say it in English, right? And then the the candidates would usually start in Spanish and then, you know, shift over to English. And so, I don't have a problem with it because I'm sitting here watching them going, okay, they're, I mean, they're trying. I can tell just from being around Spanish, a Spanish family for so long, like their dialects are shit. Yeah. But I mean, they're trying, I give it to them, you know, and they're, they're fumbling through enough to be able to say what they need to be say. And I sitting here, some ignoramus who doesn't actually speak fluent Spanish. They answered the same question to me as well. And if they want to chop up their time like that, I think that's great. Good for them. Yeah. I don't have a problem with it because it, you're just opening it up to everyone else. Um, I do think that if you're trying to fit in as much time as possible to answer a question, it might be a little difficult. But since you have 60 seconds and you're not going to get any substantive answers anyways, yeah, fuck it. Why not? Who cares? Get that voting base riled up. That's I'm good with that. I don't care. You know, and if you're on that stage and you're not prepared to speak Spanish, then, you know, I'm sorry, but you've made your bed. Just like anyone else in the country, there are people in this country that speak Spanish and English. And there's people speak all manner of languages all over this country. Yeah. And if you are going to be a politician who focuses on problems with a Spanish-speaking country and you want to be able to relate to that that voting block, it behooves you to try to do what you can to reach out to them. And mm-hmm. if that means learning to speak certain things in Spanish – Good on you for putting the putting in the effort. You're just going to be a better person for it in the end, anyways. Yeah, I have no problem with that. I mean, I don't. If I I think it was Ben Shapiro that did it after the first night. He did a line in Spanish, and I will say he did a much better job than say Cory Booker or Beto did. But he doesn't speak Spanish. He learned that one phrase I think for the show, yeah. maybe. But people are making fun of it. I understand that it's something that if you look at it in the right context, you can have some fun with it. You can make fun of it. But there's no real legitimate, I think, you know, like cut you can make for somebody for speaking Spanish on the debate stage, Mm -hmm. especially when they followed up the exact same thing with an English answer. You still got what you wanted. They reached out to another voting block that you obviously don't belong to. Yeah. But that's just me. It's a personal thing, I think. You know? Yeah, because I felt slightly differently about it. Um, I certainly don't think there's anything – it doesn't take anything away from you, you know, that it certainly to know another language doesn't no. doesn't diminish your value at all. You know, if anything, if like you said, it, it improves you, you know? Yeah, and um, I mean, it just cuts your time if you're going to say the same thing twice in two languages, which yeah. is your call as a candidate. Right. Um, I think the problem that I had – and we've talked like a little bit about this before that I've – I don't know that we have a national language in America, you know, that like, no. I don't know. I don't think that that's like the I don't case, think we have a but dead set. right. But I know of the common vernacular is English, mm-hmm. you know, and I much that I feel if I were to move to another country, I would be expected to learn Italian. If I lived in Italy, I feel that people should know how to speak English when 
when they live here, you know? Well, if you go I to think that there's a... Quebec and Canada, you better speak French. Right. And I think there's obviously a fucking learning curve. English is a complicated as fuck language. You know, I don't expect you to speak English when you've been here for two days, two weeks, fucking two years. You know, I've been Shit, speaking it for 32 years and I still don't know what I'm talking about. One, there's so much, especially in this area, there's so much slang tossed around. Carolina's lived here for how fucking long and mm-hmm. I... St- I still explain a lot of shit that I say because I use so much slang that's particular to this area, you know, just because she's not from this area. You know, oh, she's yeah. from New York. She doesn't know what I'm talking about. So, you know what I'm saying? There's not an expectation for me that you fucking pick it up right away, you know, but I, I feel like I said very much the same. And if I move to another country, I, I would be expected to learn that language. There are going to be people there who speak English because English is popular all around the globe, but it, the vast majority of people are going to be like, fuck you. We, we're in Italy. We're speaking Italian here because we're in fucking Italy. Like, that's what we do, you know? Yep. And if I'm going to live there, I'm going to be expected to, to bend in certain ways to that culture, you know? And people are still going to be jazzed to come to my house and eat American shit and, you know, do whatever. And they're going to enjoy that culture. But, um, so I, I can't form a genuine, problem with it you know because like I said, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't take anything away from it it doesn't the only thing that it does is limit the amount of time that you have in your response you yep. know um but i've it rubbed me the wrong way you know and I, I can't say that as someone who doesn't speak spanish it does it feel like you're kind of like oh he's not even trying to talk to me right now and i don't know that you're saying the same thing I don't have any way to verify that you're saying the same thing to me. And that's not, that's not a problem. I'm not like, well, he's saying something completely different. But when we're sitting there, me and Jordan, we're sitting there watching it. She's like, how do I know that he's even saying the same thing in Spanish that he's saying in English? You know, I don't, I don't have any way to know that, you know, nope. and I don't, that's not, you know, me saying like, oh, he's probably fucking, you know, dog whistles and, you know, telling him to like attack Americans or whatever. Like, I don't think that that's the case, but I don't, if I don't speak Spanish, I don't have any way to verify that you've said the same thing in both languages that you have said in English, you know, or yeah. like, so, um, and I, I mean, you could be like Bill de Blasio the morning of the debates down in Miami, speaking to a bunch of the Miami populace and use a phrase in Spanish, which translates over to ever on to victory which is a direct quote from Che Guevara Mm. while he's talking to a shit ton of Cuban expatriates who left communist Cuba because of Che Guevara and the revolution that followed. He done fucked up and stepped in it because he, I don't think he understood what he was saying. He probably just Googled something and found a line and ran with it. But I don't, that's not what I got from, because I had Carolina to confirm this, because she right. kind of watched these. I was like, hey, what are they trying to say here? And it was just, they all did an incredibly mediocre job of trying to say generally the same thing they said in English yeah. and Spanish. And I guess, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to sound like a fucking bigot or whatever, right? But you have to, you have to be a... a but that's a legitimate, it's a legitimate point of view to have, because right. as somebody, so, I see it differently because I'm surrounded by it every day. Whereas somebody who's not goes, well, I don't understand what the fuck you're saying. This right. is not okay to me, but. So you got, you have to be a citizen to vote, right? Yes. So, and on the citizenship, you have to take it in English, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's, that's like the, like I said, the common vernacular here. Whether or not that's like the fucking language of America, no, I don't it know. It is a required, it, you have to give your, your answers, your in- interview answers in English. So. It doesn't have to be good. 
Right. Just understandable. So I guess that's like, I don't know. You know, that's what like, then, then why? You know, but then, yeah. then it lays down to a personal choice where if that's what you want to do and you want to take your time and divide it that way, you know, mm-hmm. then I don't. I would ask Carolina for her input on this right now, but I don't think she didn't see the debates in that full context. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to put her on blast for that spot. Um, because it would just be an incredibly generic. Oh, fuck. Get on over here real quick. We're talking about questions being asked and answered in Spanish on the debates, yes. right? So, because there was also questions that were asked in Spanish, right? And I think that was probably if, – if I do have a problem, right, which I don't know that I would classify that way because I can't – I can't put into words and quantify exactly what my deal is, you know? Mm-hmm. I just know that for some reason I was like, why the fuck is that happening, you know? Don't know why because like even here it's been a couple of days and I've not been able to – to narrow it down, you know? Yeah. But I think that if I were to have a problem, if I was going to classify that way, my problem would be more with questions being asked in Spanish than answered in Spanish. You know, if you're going to answer them in Spanish, that's your own fucking choice, right? Yep. But we're talking about the presidential debates for, for the president of the United States of America, right? It, you have to be a citizen to vote. You have to answer your citizen your citizenship questions in English. These questions should be asked in English because that's what we're talking about here, yeah. right? That is a if very good You want to answer them in Spanish, do you. You know, that's fine. Why are you asking these questions in a foreign language when that's not – you know what I'm saying? So That's a really good point. If, like, so if I were to have a problem, you know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be heated about it, but I'm trying to – I didn't talk to anybody else about it because at yeah. work it's really hard to have conversations like this and have a <laughs> genuine conversation. So, so a lot of times where I have to wait and have these conversations while I'm here, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm still working through and, like I said, figuring out exactly what my deal is, you know. Definitely. But I think that that's – where more of my problem lies than people deciding to answer that way. Then questions mm-hmm. being asked in Spanish. You know, That's why are you point. asking questions in a foreign language? It's, so it's like a uh, Miss Universe, for example. Even in Miss Universe, they ask the questions in English and they have a translator that translate them in Spanish, or they can just answer them in Spanish right. if they wanted it to. Right. But the questions are always in English. Which, if you if you're doing a debate, if you're holding a debate, hosting a debate that is going to be for the president of the United States of America, primary language is English. Yes, we do have a big amount of uh, right. a Latino population in here. Right. However, we also have a humongous amount of Chinese population in here. Uh, we have a hum- humongous amount of Russian population in here too. Yeah. So what are we going to start asking questions in Russian too? Right. In 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 Mandarin or stuff like that. Um, uh, the answers. Remember, I was just say, do you remember any of the little clips that I showed you? Beto, about- Beto had a better Spanish than the other guy. The other guy did not even make any sense in Spanish. I don't Corey remember Booker? his name. Corey Thank Booker. You. Yeah. yeah. He he tried to show off and he epically failed. You could see that he was trying to remember what he had been taught. Yeah. Like he, you could he see it. It was like he memorized a specific line, a specific sentence, yeah. and he just tried to say it, and he just completely butchered that in Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. Stay away from Spanish for that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, Cory Booker. You're going to have to stop or improve. It's yeah. that rough. Well, I think that's a very interesting and legitimate perspective. Yeah. Because I honestly wanted to know because I know that just living in a Spanish family for so long, I have a very different outlook on people that right. only speak Spanish in this country. And I know, and I'm not saying that it's a. F- 
you know what I'm like like I said I'm not trying to come off like a fucking bigot you know and I don't think you are by the way I don't think and I don't think that you think so this is more for people listening than for you you know you you've known me for long enough that I would expect that you would know that I'm not Mm -hmm. a fucking asshole if you knew if I was you would fucking know way before I know sometimes you get self conscious um, about the way you can when you get excited about certain right. things. And I'm just, I'm trying to be clear with what I'm saying, you yep. know, especially with this being such a fucking sketchy territory right now, you know, of people being racist and shit like that. Like I'm trying to be very clear that that's not what I'm talking about. That I don't have any fucking problem that when your mother-in-law is in town, we communicate primarily through your wife. Like that's yeah. because I know that she knows what I'm saying. I know that she understands a lot of English, but it's mm-hmm. easier for us to do it that way. Yeah. You know? And I know I understand some spanish from taking spanish one fucking three times in a row because i'm such an idiot so when she was talking there's some shit that like i can get kind of the bare basics of what she's saying because i know enough words to be like a word okay like i I understand what you're getting at you know you combine that with um sound effects and gestures that's what that's how me and my in-laws spoke for like the first few months that we knew each other yeah it was it was a Spanglish kind of like we're just two people that don't speak the same language and we're just – there's common human language that you can get across right. without actually saying word words. Well, and you know especially I mean? in New York, like I don't know where your parents live, but there are you know, different parts of New York where there's just cultural areas where that is where these 100%. people live. This is where the fucking Jews live. And, this and they, live the in the, live, they live you know, in a like, Jewish neighborhood. So right, Russian. so so there you go, right? So yeah. so they don't live in a you know in a Spanish speaking mm-hmm. community or whatever, but there are places in New York where there are Spanish speaking communities where that's if you're gonna live there, people are gonna speak Spanish and that's gonna be the common vernacular on your Definitely. block. You know what I'm saying? So that's not gonna be weird. Like that's yep. that's not weird that especially in somewhere in New York where it's so multicultural that that would be how you continue to live your life. You know, that's yep. that's like so uh, such a different place than everywhere else in the fucking United States, you know, where if your parents decided to move to Oklahoma, like they would have had to speak primarily English probably way before now, you know, just to live where they were going to live and try to understand that accent all the time. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Right. And it just shows you, like you just said, I don't know if you could hear it, but it just shows the true definition of the melting pot that is america right right you know? and especially cities like that like that cities in california where that's that is a that is a gateway to the united states or, or cities like that on the coast you know so you are that's naturally you are going to have areas like that you yeah. are going to have melting pots in cities like that you know so oh she's out and i think ultimately what this is really talking about ciao baby um I mean, this was a calculated political move. Absolutely. 100%. Because it's when they're talking about immigration. You know? Yes. It's, because they're, they're not speaking all directly of their questions to, yeah. half in Spanish and half in English. It's nope. only these certain questions that they're being, that they're being asked in Spanish and that they're, they're answering in Spanish. Mm-hmm. You know? So going off of that, let's kind of go over the rough answers more or less of the room for so the, some of these the first thing i want to hit right because of all of the things that everybody said when they're talking about immigration not one fucking person not one on either days mentioned the fact that the number of beds in the facilities huh. for children at the border were lowered by request of the democrats when they reopened the government can't can't say not that. one fucking person right 
And I know that that's not going to be fucking cool, that that's not going to make you popular. But let's talk about maybe honest for two fucking seconds. That you're Just like, listen, this is a huge seconds. problem. And we're going to admit we fucked up a little bit because we didn't think it was going to get worse. And it's only gotten worse since then. And part of it is because of us because we denied beds. And now these bed companies are arguing with their employees on about whether or not they're going to fucking donate, you know, sell beds, donate beds, do whatever the fuck they're going to do. You know, they're having arguments with their employees about getting these beds. Mm-hmm. Where instead, the government could have bought that shit in the beginning of the year and they would already fucking been there. And this wouldn't be a discussion now because it would already been fucking done and over with, you know. But now that you've got pictures of people dying on the front of newspapers. You got fucking talking about kids dying. No companies want to have any part, you know? Now, so, and this is, again, this is going to be purely my personal speculation on yes. this. But I am more of the mindset that that is exactly, it was a calculated move that they did on purpose oh, totally. to force pressure Absolutely. onto the Republicans Absolutely. to do something else about it. So they indirectly caused yep. this humanitarian crisis down at the border because of a political opposition they have with the president of the United States and the the current ruling governing power of the Republicans. Right. This was a – they say it all the fucking time. They say this is a manufactured crisis on the border. It is indeed a manufactured crisis on the border that they manufactured. Right. By not – Not in themselves, but they, they had a hand in manufacturing. Yes, which I think purposefully – so that they can they can get pressure on the border that makes the ruling power looks like shit because they can't handle it. I agree. Because Congress is at a gridlock stage where nothing's going to get done. Yeah. And they can point the finger at who's sitting in the chair now. And it's their fucking fault when they're the ones that created the problem by not allowing additional funding to go towards those border control facilities. Right. And to be able to give the proper facilities needed for an um, an amount of people the size that we have now. We have a fucked up legal system that, again, throws in that that problem of not being able to separate parents and children and all this good stuff. Right. Julian Castro, I want to talk about this. Julian Castro talked about the oh, what is the immigration code? Tw- uh, shit, twelve uh, thirteen twenty five, which makes it a crime for someone to come to America illegally, to immigrate illegally to America, not oh. through a verified point of entry or anything like that, yeah. to just cross the border. It makes it a crime, right? Like which a is criminal offense, as we have talked about in the past. Which is what leads to people being separated from their children is when you committed a crime, you go to jail. Your child can't go with you to jail. So when you're in jail, they go to a holding facility. That's run by border control and then after 72 hours they're supposed to go to another facility that is run by department of human services because there is such an influx of people coming through the border the facilities run by the department of human services are full and so the children that are in the facilities run by the border control having to stay there for longer than 72 hours because there's not enough room for them to be transferred to because there are not enough beds there's not enough supplies period Yes, but I mean beds yeah. because that's what limits people going there. So if they don't have a place to sleep, they're not going to put them there, right? Yeah. So they put them on the ground with aluminum survival blankets, and yes, it's just. I think that was a very good job of just summing up what's going on at the border. Yes. That was very just, nice. Yeah, and so like you said, part of what Julian Castro was talking about was whichever part of the law it is. I don't remember what the actual number it is. Section thirteen twenty five. There you go, thirteen twenty five, which makes crossing the border illegally a crime, and so. Any number of – maybe even all of them were asked whether or not crossing the border crossing the border should be a crime 
or it should be a misdemeanor offense that's just yeah. like you get a ticket for it and then you know whatever happens yeah. happens a afterwards. civil infraction a civil versus infraction. A criminal Thank infraction you very much. yes thank you which a criminal infraction means you go to jail in a, a civil way. infraction is like a parking ticket you're you a fucking fine yeah right. done but every single one of them on the stage voted essentially to abolish section 1325 right. and they wanted to move over to a, a misdemeanor style civil offense for an illegal border crossing, which right. in the minds of people that have the opposite political affiliations to them means open borders in their mind. That's what they're talking about when they talk about open borders. Right. The fact that there's no real recompense other than a little slap on the wrist for coming into the country illegally. Where do you land on that? I land on the fact that, fuck no, you cannot do that. You, we need. It should to know, be a crime for someone yes, to come here illegally. Yes, it should be. And I agree. Caveat 100%. to that: we need a system that allows the free flowing of migration in and out at any time. We need to have a system in place that is sophisticated enough and streamlined enough that there is no real funnel. A day or two, maybe. Right. Let's hey, hang out for a day or two, and then you're up. You know, get it's you like, processed. We'll get this going. We'll yeah. Fucking- which. Ultimately means an entire restructuring of the border. I don't want to say border patrol, but I mean the entire southern border and immigration system. And are you talking about for anybody who's coming here, people who are crossing the border illegally, that they would ideally only spend a day or two in processing and then would be released into America? And then ideally, anybody that crosses the border illegally, like we should make it more convenient to walk through a point of entry and walk in. It has to be. Way more safe and convenient to do that. Right. Because then why would you take the dangerous route? Just go in. You're going to get in anyways. It just right. may take a day or two. Well, because they were, they were also asked like, um, and so this was on day two, but you know, this, this feeds into our conversation now. They were asked whether or not undocumented people should be deported, right? If you're found, should yeah. you be deported or, you know, should you just get a ticket, you know, whatever the fuck happens and then you just go about your day. And I don't, I've talked about this a couple of times and I, I don't think people should just be able to come here. You know, like yeah. you don't just get to come here. And that's why you I'm not, merge in. I'm not a fan of, of the idea of fuck. And, but there's, there's places where like where you're, you, you can get fucking a driver's license. You can get a driver's license. Yep. Right. And at that point, your driving is not a crime, you know, and it's, it's things like this that I am uncomfortable with to the point that these laws are here as hurdles. You're here illegally. So if you get caught breaking a law, like fucking driving when you're not supposed to, doing something you're not supposed to, you stand the risk of being sent back the fuck home. Mm-hmm. Like that's, and I don't, I don't feel like that's fucking harsh. I don't feel like the, maybe it is harsh, but I don't feel like that's ludicrous. As I sit here today, honestly, with the morals that I have expressed through the whole time we've been doing the show, I don't feel like that's ludicrous. You are not supposed to be here. If you want to come here, you want to come to a point of entry, apply, do your shit. Do, what's up? I'm I'm a fan of that. I am a huge, immense fan of legal immigration to the United States. You can't just fucking come here for no reason. Like, you're not for no reason, but like, you can't just come here and expect that to be okay. Yep. I can't fucking travel to Germany and just stay there and expect to be able to stay and no one's going to give a shit. Like, that's, if I get found, they send me the fact, the fuck back home. I will get sent back home. So I don't, like, I don't think that that is ludicrous. No, it's definitely not. And coming again, being attached to an immigrant family, 
like I am, I know how long it takes to do this how thing legitimately. How fucking long did it take Carolina's brother to get here? 10 or 13 years. It took fucking forever. She moved here and when he she was 13. he fucking waited. He sat and fucking waited until it was his time. Yep. And that's what he did. And I understand that there's two different sides of this conversation where we're talking about who's coming. Because there's regular migration. And then, you know, so you could probably call it economic migration. And right. then there's asylum. Right. Two totally different conversations that need to be had on different levels. Yeah. Lump something them all in together is not a productive way to have a conversation about this. Because they're different things. Yeah. Exactly. And it's the same with the facilities on the border, with how many the, – the judges in the, the immigration courts. I mean, every one of these is a separate discussion that needs to be had. And just saying, we have a crisis on the border. How do you fix it? Right. That's – that's a fucking problem because there's a lot of different things that need to be fixed. The idea that an asylum seeker should be able to come into the country, get their shit taken care of, and become a taxpaying resident in the United States with a path towards citizenship, I don't see why that is a, a problem whatsoever. As long as you come through legally, you do the background checks, you're not a fucking wanted criminal, boom, we're moving on, welcome to the country, your process starts here. Yeah. Right. But again, to get to that point, to get to the point where we can do that with people and have essentially a free-flowing, monitored immigration system, an asylum system, the conversation needs to be had about how to revamp the entire system. And I don't know – so I don't hate the term of free-flowing, right? But the idea, maybe the part that I'm uncomfortable with is my main focus on immigration, on people coming in through asylum, refugees, or whatever – is America. You know what I'm saying? And that's maybe that's too broad, but I mean American citizens. Like my concern is that there's a fuckload of people here who can't get a job for whatever fucking reason. So I have a huge concern of the number of legal immigrants, refugees, asylum seekers that can come here that is still viable for people who were born here to still be able to make it and not be undercut mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck because not undercut because if you're a taxpayer if, you, if you're jobs. a resident, right? If you're a resident you're going to be paid of the same wage as somebody who is also living here as a as a fucking uh, as a citizen. You know, well, not if you because, ask a left left leaning Democrat who's right. going to say they're if racially you, profiled and right. persecuted if against. You have given a green card a wage. and you're here legally yeah. to work, then you're going to be paid the wage of an American worker because you're an American worker. Yes, whether or not you're an American citizen, you are an American worker. Yeah, so, and I should clarify when I say free flowing, that simply means that we have a system in place that can handle the proper number of people, the proper passage through into the system where okay. they become automatic tax. There should be very little in the way of a bottleneck. Yeah. That way, when we have a surge of a fucking 100,000 people or something like that, come up, that, okay, we might have a temporary delay, but we can filter through that and it's not a system-ending fucking controversy. So you're talking about more of getting them set up when they're there with being able to tax pay and have that shit before they get sent out. You into because get in this line to file your fucking background check. Once that's done, get in this line to go apply for your green card. You get that taken care of. You get, okay, where are you going to go live? Bing, bang, boom. Let's get addresses. All The, the normal thing, yeah. here's your local immigration court. In, in three months, you're going to be called into court okay. to testify, and we're going to see how things are going. And right. You're good. You're off, you know. There's, I understand there's problems with people coming in, especially on the asylum level, where they're going to have to be essentially coming in to, on to the social 
safety net programs that we have, which put a burden on welfare systems. And that, again, that is a conversation that needs to happen about how we do asylum and immigration. It's also important to distinguish that if you've not come here legally, and you don't have any type of paperwork, you can't receive government assistance. Mm-hmm. You have to have somebody because that's a huge narrative for people on the right, on the Republicans that you know, oh, they, the people, immigrants are coming here illegally and they're just fucking taking everything. You have to have some type of proof that you're supposed to be here or are allowed to be here to be able to gain government assistance. Yeah. Like depending, you know, in a state like Washington State, depending on what you're trying to do, like we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, I think. With Haley, or even before Haley was here, about how Washington State, you can have a abortion covered by the state, even yeah. if you're an, as they put it, undocumented immigrant. And that was a huge. We talked about last year when that last was, year. I mean, yeah, when that was a huge deal. When there was a young woman that was in the United States and was mm-hmm. trying to obtain an abortion. Yeah, yep. I remember when that was a big deal. Because um, it depends on where you go. Because a lot of those right, right. specific things are handled on the state level. But right, especially we're talking about driver's license and shit. Because you got yeah. a driver's license, you're going to be able to go and get some shit. You know. Yeah. So that's. Um, so I agree that is not an on the whole answer, but that's. But generally you know, speaking, I think you're very correct. You right. cannot get. Generally speaking, federal government assistance without some kind of documentation. Right. Maybe on the state level. And then it depends on But federally what state. Is, is much more difficult. Yeah. So um, let me ask you this real quick because immigration, Tim Ryan, uh, he talked about healthcare for illegal immigrants, right? Yes. And he I, made yeah, the point that prisoners in Guantanamo Bay who are suspected of terrorism and so on and so forth – have better health care than an illegal immigrant, asylum-seeking illegal immigrant in the United States. Yes. And the and I can't remember if it was the first night or the second night where they asked the entire stage. But, you know, at one point, the question was asked by a show of hands, would you support free health care for illegal immigrants? Would and your health care plan, yeah, plan include coverage there for you illegal go. immigrants? Yeah. yeah. And I think it was just about everybody – um, if not everybody whose hands went up in favor of that. Yeah. Um, and I, so I got immediately frustrated on that. Likewise. Right? Um, <laughs> where I am obviously not opposed to fucking, if you're here, you get fucked up for whatever fucking reason, you should be able to go somewhere and get your shit fixed. You know, there's, yeah. that's why free clinics exist. That's why there's shit like that that is here. That if you have a broken arm, you don't have to walk around with it for six weeks until it maybe heals right. You can or go you somewhere. get gangrene and die or something. Right. You can yeah. go somewhere and they'll fix it and they won't ask too many questions and then you can go, you know? Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about a healthcare system that is, that is countrywide, right? You're talking about a single payer healthcare system or at least a public option healthcare system. And the difference between the two, because this shit's so complicated. Healthcare is so fucking complicated, right? So the idea of a single payer is that everybody in the United States has one, like really it would all be on Medicaid. It's like yeah. what the idea is now that everyone Medicaid would be on Medicaid. All. Exactly. Whereas the idea of a public option is that there is a public option that anyone can buy into. You can choose that and you get government assistance, you get government health care, or you can also buy private health insurance. It's still there. It's still available. You can buy supplemental what the fuck ever you want to buy, you know, which was the original idea behind the original Obamacare. Right. The idea right. is we have a massive public auction that we want to make so good that no one will want to go to the private insurance companies, right? And Unfortunately, in turn, your, your prices will go work. down and down and down. Yeah. 
as the the private healthcare market goes away and away and away, and everything will be perfect. Mm-hmm. As we know, one of the huge problems with Obamacare is there was a huge amount of people who said, "Fuck you, I'm not buying the system. I'm just going to take that tax penalty." And you know, there, there was a whole slew of problems on that. Yeah, um, that's when I had that discussion with like no shortage of people. Um, f- at least a dozen people. Yep. That were- and I paid my fucking fine every year. By <laughs> my yeah, my yeah. quote unquote tax. Yeah. I paid was- my fucking federal fine because I yeah. didn't want to buy into their overpriced fucked up healthcare system. Yeah. Because what I had currently was still better than the public option at that point. Yeah. We can argue all day about right. whether or not we c- it could have worked. Right. But I don't want to have that conversation today. No, no, no that's fine. So, um, so obviously, I'm hugely in favor of the idea of being able to get some type of something, you know. But when you're talking about a a health care system that is federally provided, and you want to provide that to illegal immigrants who, as callous as it sounds, weren't supposed to be here anyway, you got me fucked up. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Because you have someone like me that when I, when Jordan and I were so sick when we were growing up and we were early adults, we are so fucking careful now to try and take care of ourselves so as not to get sick. I don't go to the fucking doctor. I don't have a goddamn general practitioner because I don't go to the fucking doctor, you know? So I still get sick sometimes when because I do. Because who could, by the way? Because you know what if I'm you saying? are sick and you call your family practice doctor, they're three weeks booked out. Yep. Good luck trying to get the yep. automatic is if you're that sick. Go to the urgent care. Go to the ER. So walk in there and get your eighteen hundred, which is something that fuck. I mean, we're just kind of going by topic now. I don't. I think by I day was kind of weird. Go. Yeah. yeah. Um, when Kamala Harris talked about on the second night about healthcare, right? Yeah. She talked. Uh, she made it very personal, and this is actually something that I related to very well. She took a. Single mom, essentially, yes. who had a kid that gets sick in the middle of the night, has got a massive fever, and said, "Okay, I can't get into my doctor because they're booked out. I, I have to go to the ER, even knowing I have health insurance, say through my employer, right? Right. I don't. I pay seventy five dollars a month into this healthcare program, whatever it costs, because it's always massively discounted for the individual on a worker, right, on a business coverage level, but." You go there and you still have a five to seven thousand south thousand dollar deductible you have to deal with. Right. And you're sitting in your car going, as soon as I walk through those doors, I know that I am going to be paying an infinite amount of money up to whatever my deductible is. Right. right? And I and that is yeah. a, such a real fucking situation because you know you can't go to the doctor because the health there's the inch the way that it's structured to date is so fucked up thanks to the private insurance companies that everyone has to go to the ER. And when you go to the ER for an actual emergency, you're walking out of there paying thousands of dollars. Yeah. And your insurance cover is going to cover a portion of it, but you're still paying thousands of dollars. And I think that was a really good Kamala Harris was fucking on fire herself. Oh, she, she made a, a lot of points. Job. Yeah, no, and she made a great point because I agree. I, uh, the exact yeah. same thing. When she said that, I'm like, well, fuck, my yeah. deductible is $5,000. I was so like, that's, preach, girl. That's very preach. true. That so, was, it was eye opening. And I go, you yeah. know, I'm so glad there's somebody up there bringing in personal stories. Yeah. And as we'll probably talk about in a few minutes, uh, no matter how skewed they are, um, at least she was the only one that I got personal stories out of that actually m- connected with a working class, middle class American like me. 
Yeah. Because that is something that I used to think about a lot. Because I know if I have a fever for more than a couple days and it's like 103 or something like that, I got to go to the ER. And once I got off the Obamacare teat, I couldn't afford the health insurance. I couldn't afford the health insurance that Obamacare offered anyways. Yeah. I just, I couldn't afford it. So I have a different system set up and, but it, anything catastrophic like that, I know as soon as I go to the ER, I'm getting a bill for probably at least two grand right off Hell the bat. Hell of dollars. Just for showing up saying, well, yeah, you got the flu. There's nothing we could do. Just well, stay hydrated. You get probably some rest. make too much money to apply for like charity care or something like that. You know, a thousand percent. Like wipe away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's, it's a really low threshold. Right. Once you're barely making ends meet right now, you can't get any assistance. Yeah, and that's we talked about that yesterday when I was talking about like yeah. my own taxes. You know that I just was like, I am a fucking, I am a father and a husband of a single income household, mm-hmm. and I'm getting like twenty percent. So I figured out there's a couple of different tax brackets. Oh yeah, um, and there's seven different ones. I got them right got, here. Yeah, they got simplified when they did the new the tax cut. Yes, um, and so I have slightly different ones than you have there because they got oh okay you have left and right ones I gotcha um, yeah and so I think I'm probably combined see, household right is the thing so yeah so that's that's where I'm sitting at right and so yeah so your tax bracket sense, should be in 2018 should be 12 percent for federal withholding yeah so I was thinking about on the way here right. How taxes work, because who fucking knows? So that's the problem. So the idea, right? During the year, you're charged X percent of taxes based off of like what your rate of pay is, right? Yeah. When you're getting paid, you're going to make about this much. So this is what we're going to charge you. It's kind of a and pay then, as you go system. And then at the end of the year, when the beginning of the new year, when you file your taxes, they give you your credits, your deductions and all your stuff so they can look at what you actually made based off of what you spent and like all this other shit that they had to take into account. And when you get a return, it's because you were bumped into a, a lower tax bracket and should have got, you shouldn't have paid as much taxes for how much money you actually got right and just put this all together on the way here i just put it all together on the way here that i I finally understood that that's really what the whole fucking idea is at this point is that they're adjusting everything for how much money you actually made that's why they call it a tax return right at the end of the year because you are you are taxed more than the than the government needs at the time you are essentially depending on which libertarian minded websites you're pulling this from but you are essentially giving the IRS a tax-free, interest-free loan every single year by paying your federal income tax. By having that pulled out of your check every single time you get paid, whether it's once a week, twice a week, monthly, what have you, it's you are paying the federal government every single month for them to do what they need to do. And at the end of the year, essentially it gets tallied up and whatever you paid over, you get sent back to you in a tax return. And I figured out um, after Dax was born, I went and I talked to Nikki and I was like, hey, let me, you know, just like mm-hmm. what we're doing here, right? So I fucked with my taxes a little bit and to like make it work for us a little bit better. And I also found out, I didn't do it, but I found out that you can elect to give the government more money 
As much so as you want. You can give them as much as you want. And so then at the end of the year, if you've given them way too much, you get a fucking huge ass tax return because you get whatever you shouldn't have given them plus the extra shit that you did give them. It's like, well, that's kind of cool. You know, if I was making a bunch of money and I was single, I might do that because then just when, so I could have a fat Because then when April came around, I'd be like, yeah, I just got a fucking five grand stack and I don't have no kids. I don't have no shit and it's all mine. I just got five G's. I'm going to go buy something cool. Yep. Like, that would be kind of nice. That shit pisses. I'm looking at this scale though and I'm going, so by law, I'm required to give damn near a quarter of the money that I make. To the federal government. A quarter of the money that I make, yeah. I fucking stress over, I fucking bleed over, I fucking work endless hours over, they get to take a quarter of my fucking paycheck <laughs> to do with whatever the fuck they want, and hopefully, I get a portion of that back at the end of the year. And you can go <laughs> fuck yourself, federal government, because what I'm getting for my 25% takeaway from my check is not worth what I'm fucking putting into the system. And, and that's not even including Social Security and Medicare, which aren't going to fucking be there when I'm that old, unless, of course, we're on a Medicare for All program, which I don't I don't even know. And if you were to get sick and not, get fired up today. and not lose your job but not be able to work, yeah, you, you make too much money to collect any type of government assistance in that meantime. For at least a know? year. Yeah. Or depending on when it happened, I guess. But yeah, like... I could yeah. be fucked. I mean, you can get like you, you know, you can look at like L and I and shit, or like I would know, have to go file um, for but, disability essentially mm-hmm. and become disabled. Yeah, even te- I don't know if they do temporary, but I don't. Yeah, Aflac. That's what Aflac's for. Literally, yeah, that's the I only thought reason that that was pretty some of those insurance companies exist. Um, yeah, that like I don't, I don't make that much money, especially if you. I mean, you fucking saw my fucking you know my pay stub yesterday i make money but i don't make that much money especially if you're thinking about that much money spread across another person and a baby you know like that's not that much money it's if i was just myself i would be doing really good for just myself but there's two other people that i'm supporting with that paycheck that i brought in yesterday and i worked a good amount of hours that last week so it's usually a little bit less than that you know what i'm saying which is pretty fucking gay and And i'm not gonna say the number but the number that you sent me i was like because i was expecting i like because of the job that I do now, <laughs> yeah. like I do trigonometry and geometry and algebra all day long. Fractions, right? Bro. And I never knew how much I really enjoyed that stuff because I see that stuff You're applied done. in the everyday real world. Like the, the math that I do every day has real world consequences. And when I see something out there built because of the math that I did, I'm like, yeah, fucking, I, I know exactly what slope that's at, baby. <laughs> I calculated that. And I forgot the point I was going to make. Fun. I think um, you were disappointed that the math was so easy on my pace. Yes. Stub. Yeah. And I was like, man, but sweet. This is really easy. I'll fire through like five minutes. And then I realized after crunching numbers and looking at tax brackets, I go, none of this really makes any sense at all, which is I think well, and- something that did not come up in the debates other than the fact that – so talking about taxes right. and tax cuts and tax breaks and adding taxes and all this stuff, the only tax-centered question that was asked was essentially like, what do you do about Trump's tax cuts? And everybody yeah. was, well, I'm getting rid of them. Just getting right. rid of the tax cuts. Done. Day one. Day one, I'm getting at my executive privilege pen – you want to talk about privilege in this world? How about executive privilege with your fucking executive pen power? 
I'm getting in there. I'm becoming a, a fucking totalitarian dictator because Congress is not going to work with me. So I'm just going to do whatever everything. the fuck I want through executive order. And But nobody talked about an actual tax plan, which nobody really talked about me. an actual plan for anything. When they got asked about immigration at the border, they're just like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. We need to do something about that. You know, so I, before we move on to tax, I want to ask mm-hmm. about immigration, right? Because when Mayor Pete got asked about immigration, he was like, oh, well, I'm definitely going to – what I'm going to do is I'm going to make it so that we're not keeping kids at the border. I'm going to I'm gonna mm-hmm. fix what's going on at the border so that's not happening anymore. And then, like, we're not going to keep kids at the border anymore is what he said. We're going to – we're done with that. Yeah. And then I'm going to make it so that crossing the border illegally isn't a crime so that people don't get – you know, kids don't get separated from their parents. So hold the fuck on. Pop if button. kids aren't going to get separated from their parents – then what is the purpose of making crossing the border illegally not a crime so as to not separate kids from their parents if we're already not doing that? Because it sounds good what on the stage? Fuck? That doesn't even make any sense. And it, it was like all in the same answer. And I'm like, what the fuck do you mean? Like, I don't, that's not even logical what you've just said here. Because and if, considering that Pete Buttigieg, because I want to say this real quick. <laughs> like, I didn't do this. Fuck? We didn't, we didn't name who was in night two. So I'm just going to run through oh, those real yeah, quick yeah. just so that – because we're going to kind of cross-reference everybody here. Night two of the 27th of June, Marianne Williamson, the author and kind of spiritualist person, John Hickenlooper. She was great. She was great. John Hickenlooper, former governor of Colorado, Andrew Yang, the entrepreneur who's running on the 1000 bucks a month freedom dividend. He sounded Pete good. Buttigieg he sounded good. For his entire three fucking minutes and yes, two hours that he got. But he yeah. presented himself well when he did get to talk. Exactly. Um, South Bend Mayor, Indiana. Um, Mayor, South Bend, Indiana, Pete Buttigieg, Joe Biden. Former VP, obviously. Bernie Sanders, Vermont Senator. Kamala Harris, California Senator. Kristen Gillibrand, New York Senator. Michael Bennett, representative from Ohio. I think so, yeah. I got to fucking look at that one again. And then Eric Swalwell, California, California. State Representative. Michael That's Bennett. That's the guy with the, uh, the assault Senate rifle. Senator of Colorado. It's the guy with the assault rifle band that we talked about last week in the yeah. week before. Yes, yeah. which he talked about a little bit more. Which he got, he put Pete Buttigieg on blast once yes. during night two. Um, but it, yeah, like you said, Pete Buttigieg just ran right through that thing. Yeah. Which was surprising because Not making any sense. Pete Buttigieg, and I'm going to steal this from Ben Shapiro because I fully endorse and support what exactly he said. Pete Buttigieg probably has 20, 30 IQ points on anybody up on that stage. He is a really smart individual. When you get him down in a long-form setting and just have him talk about things, he can actually make sense. And it's really refreshing. to He has original ideas. A lot of them are kind of crazy. But over the last, I say, month or two that he's been getting more and more popular, he's yeah. shifted more and more over to the identity politics talking points, which is really sad. Yes. But the fact that he couldn't separate those two really – I kind of understand it, and it might have been a calculated, I'm on stage, I only have this amount of time, I'm just going to say it because it sounds good. But you cannot solve that problem of child separations without changing the law, because the federal courts have already decided that that is unconstitutional to keep children locked up with their parents who are now arrested criminals. Right. You cannot do that legally. 
If you get arrested out in the world with your son for whatever reason, your ass is going to jail. His, he's going to, if you were a single dad, we'll say, he's going <laughs> to child protective services. Yes. Done. That's, that's what's happening. You are getting separated from your child because you are now a criminal and your child is not. And after a certain amount of time with them, then he might be placed with one of my relatives. But in the meantime, yep. he'll be placed with a foster family. Yep. Like that's for, for a few days. He'll be with a foster family until they pick someone in my family and they run their background and make sure they're legitimate and can watch my child yep. and everything's going to be fine. And when you really logically and objectively think it through, that is a good thing. Because the children that are being brought across the border with their families are not criminals. They are underage people who do not have, you know, in our country, they do not have legal independence. So they are dependent on the state at that point. Once they do not have a legal guardian, they are now a burden of the state and must be taken care of thusly. Right. Again, we could talk all day about how fucked up the system is that handles that afterwards. But you cannot stop separating children at the border unless you legislatively change the law and make it. Not a crime, essentially. So back to Julian Castro's point. You would have to make it not a criminal offense to not to prevent people from being separated from their children at the border. Which, again, just means to me, means it points out a fundamental structural flaw in the immigration system and just shows that we need to completely rethink it. Because you cannot go down that path without separating children at the border from their parents who are now legally criminals for entering unlawfully in the United States. Right. So, I mean, I don't, again, I don't put it, I don't hold him too accountable for what he said because I have a feeling he knows that and he just didn't choose to try to portray that due to the the timing and the frame and the, the stage that he's on. That and he's been very occupied with shit back home because his city is in total disarray right now. Right. So let's talk about that for a second, right? Not about the actual I mean we can talk about the event, right? But there there was a man in South Bend, Indiana that was shot by police. Um a white police officer shot a black man. White police officer said that the black man was holding a knife, and the white police officer who had a body camera on, but the body camera was not turned on. He was wearing a body camera, mm-hmm. right? So now there's obviously all kinds of debate about what the context is right so i really want to talk about the general idea of this right and my feeling on this if you're a first of all i feel that right now every fucking police officer in america should be wearing a goddamn body camera boom this is fucking ridiculous it's there's no fucking reason for this if you're not doing anything shitty you have nothing to be fucking afraid of you know what i'm saying it doesn't i no one's going to be constantly monitoring your shit unless there's some type of event, unless there's some type of reason for us to believe that you need to be monitored, you know? I don't understand what the aversion is to wearing a fucking body camera when I pay your goddamn salary. Your fucking money came, comes out of my check, bitch! Wear the fucking camera! Turn the shit on! I know that we have a camera that will run for 10 hours, 12 hours, fucking 15 hours while it just sits in your chest. I know that we do. Put it on the charger when you leave your fucking shift. Put it on your chest when you leave the the office that day and you go out, and that's it. You know what I'm saying? Something happens, we see what happens. Yep. If you're wearing a body camera, it's not on, and something happens, you should be fired fucking immediately. Full stop, dog. There's no question. If you're wearing it, why the fuck is it not on? Why do you have the ability to turn it on and off? 
Why? Why are you controlling what we're seeing when you are my employee, dog? You like you that's like that's you know, maybe that's too simplistic, maybe that's shitty, but I don't like No, you, it's not. Your salary comes from my paycheck. And that is where it comes from. You yep. are there at the service for at my service for me to protect me. So for what fucking reason should I not be able to see what you're doing if you have fucked up? Considering you're a public like, employee, it is 2000 and 19, we have the technology. You are a public servant who needs to be accountable to the public. And obviously, there's been enough distrust sown over the years that we need to monitor those things. There should be no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It is a modern-day liability requirement. Yeah. And if you do not have that on, I don't know why it is not state-mandated, because I want to keep this at the lowest level, that Every officer throughout the entire state wears a fucking body, a fucking camera, body camera whenever on, they're on shift. Period. Like that and protects you. That protects you so that yes. we know that you are not acting fucked up. As long you know as you're I'm not saying? being sus, you're good. The Eric Swalwell broke in and attacked Buttigieg when he was talking about this controversy going on in his city. Right? Yeah. And I will give it to Pete Buttigieg. He, he managed it as I think well as he could have. He basically recognized that Whatever systems they've tried to put in place to make it better is not working. So that he, he didn't get failed. it done. Yeah. Yes. But Eric Schwalwell made the point, and I think this was a little disingenuous because he knows how the fuck this works. Eric Schwalwell is a fucking asshole. He is. But he looked at Buttigieg and he said, you are – you're the mayor. The police chief works for you. If that is the policy and that happened and that man died, the police chief needs to be held accountable. He needs to be fucking fired. You're the police chief's boss. Fire him. Yeah. And then, of course, Pete Buttigieg, because this is still an ongoing investigation, did the right thing and said, the investigation's being conducted. People who are, they will be held accountable. I'm not allowed to take sides while the investigation is still going on. Which he cannot. Yeah. You know, mind you, I think- It would be improper, and he stands to lose his job if he does take sides before the investigation is over. Definitely. It is legally safer for him to say, I don't have no fucking opinion on that yet. And whether that was a statement made out of pure ignorance on Eric Swalwell's side, or if it was a targeted attack to try to get him to say the wrong thing, no I don't one, know. No I don't know gives, if I think I don't think I'd want to give Swalwell that much credit. No one gives a shit about Eric Swalwell, so I think exactly. that he did attack him. I think so because <laughs> so Eric Swalwell, we talked about him last week and the week before for his assault rifle ban, right? Yeah, he's like Governor Inslee, who's running only on climate change. He's running only, <laughs> only on, on gun control. Yeah, yeah. And so his proposal would offer up to $1,000 for every assault rifle, right? So I have a list here. Only up to 1000 Word. Okay. That's what I'm saying. So, That's a problem. So How about I have, fair market value? So this is a list here just from Gun News Daily. So I'm not saying this is, you know, this is an objective list from whoever made it, right? Of of the top 10 AR-15s and then it breaks down the price, right? Well, and I mean, so, they have an order button essentially there. You just get, you can click right. and order your fucking rifle. So I don't think that this, this one in particular is not ranked, I don't think. But this one, Aero Precision, is $549. This Armalite one is $1,000. Bravo Company one. Uh, oh shit! We fucking Bravo Company. Bravo Company manufacturing. Yep, it's on here. Um, so the Bravo Company one is thirteen hundred and forty dollars. One from Daniel Defense, sixteen hundred and ninety dollars. 
Um, the Sig Sauer is 800. The Smith and Wesson is 1259. And the Wyndham Armory is 880. So that's stock, right? That's with no modifications, no fucking anything, which people rarely, uh, from what I have noticed, people who are like into guns and especially people who are owning AR 15s, because an AR 15, I don't care what anybody fucking says. That shit is mostly for fun. Like you're having a lot of fun with AR 15. I don't care if you're talking about home defense, whatever the fuck. You're having a lot of fun with your AR-15, right? Yep. So let's just for call one it- of two things, you can, you can call it home defense because yeah. any gun, for the most absolutely. part, absolutely, and then absolutely. it's for fun because right, it's a shit hunting so rifle. So let's just call it what it is, right? Yes. So f- especially for this particular instance, it's gonna be it's not gonna be it's a lot of fun, right? So that's what you're doing with it. So most people are not gonna leave it as it is. They're gonna buy some type. Of modifications, whether it's a different scope, you know what I'm saying? Different, different whatever, stocks, all different. kinds of different stuff that people are going to buy for it. And right? that's part of the reason people buy it because it's customizable and you yes, can make it the because way you, you want. can build one. You can yeah. just buy a receiver and then buy all the different stuff that you want and make it totally your own, right? So, which is okay because there is a portion of that weapon that is the needed. The receiver, which is needed to make the weapon work, period. Yes. If you don't have the receiver, there's no weapon. You can't do it. That yeah. is serialized and that is registered when you buy it. Thank it you. It is That's still tracked. No. Yes. Um, Look at this thing. The fucking Springfield Armory M1A tanker semi-automatic rifle, old World War II gun, $1,500. Do you it, can't. Man. That's less than $1,000. You're losing $500 plus tax on that buyback. Right. So, so that's what I'm talking about is, <laughs> is, so if I am going to give you back, I don't have an AR-15, right? But if I did and I've spent, let's, let's say that I even went fucking middle of the market, right? And I spent $800 on an AR-15, which that is, that's a nice is, chunk of change. From you know, Cabela's, that's, by the way. That's from Cabela's. This one is, I don't know where this is from. This may be from their website, from wherever. This is, just, like I said, this is just mm-hmm. from an article from Gun News Daily. So these are just prices. I'm not saying these are fucking market. They're whatever. So let's say that i go for like i said the middle of the wind armory is 880 dollars, right mm-hmm. if i do that i buy a fucking another stock maybe i put a fucking sight on it that's at least another 200 300 on there at least oh, yeah. right because that shit's expensive sites and stuff like that are expensive oh, yeah. they're not cheap right? bare bones so springfield armory saint victor semi-automatic rifle which is again is a, a model built off of the essentially the ar right th- $999.99 plus tax. Right. Bare bones, no sights, no scope. You got iron sights, you got a standard mag. That's it. And Bare so, bones buy $1,000 plus tax. So if I'm going to add stuff to that, immediately I'm losing money, yep. right? Not only am I losing money, so am I supposed to just keep that shit and give you back my gun? Because at this point, I've got some shit that I can't use because I don't have a fucking AR-15 anymore because you came and took my shit. Yep. So, so I'm, am I supposed to just lose value or are you going to operate this case by case? Or are you like, what's, is there some type of cutoff where, like you said, that rifle, that World War II model rifle, if I have one that my grandpa got to keep when he fucking came back, like, are you going to take that too? Or do I get to keep that? Because that's from goddamn see, 1942. Like, what that, the fuck? That right there, from a gun collector standpoint, that is classified as a curio relic, which is over 50 years old. Yeah. And that does not qualify as a standard you know, center fire semi-automatic rifle. That's a whole other now, deal. Yeah, it's now an, you know, it still it's an might, antique. I don't know, but it should be, I mean, technically it's still the same exact thing. Right. And a 50-year-old weapon that does the exact same thing, that works the exact same way, very little difference, no except difference. for maybe caliber. Especially if it was brought back from fucking war. It was yeah. literally used to kill people if that's like, if that's what happened. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I have it's an so- old... 
I don't personally have it. My mom has it at her place, but it was my grandfather who was in the Navy in World War Two, got a an actual Japanese stamped Lotus Arasaka rifle. Fuck. Which it's it's totally unusable and it's Oof. literally just a shelf gun at this point. But like he brought that back it's from the war. It's explode if you try to shoot it. Yeah. No. It looks cool. We'll just say that. It just oh, looks cool. I'm fucking sure. Yeah. But like that, mind you, that's a little different because that's an actual um, single fire. Right, right. You know, but, but it's still the, it's same, the same concept. Idea, yeah. it, there's all these different subcategories of guns. And just because it may be technically classified as a semi-automatic, it doesn't mean a thousand bucks is just ridiculous, first of all. A thousand dollars is shit. You know, even it's in fucking shit. imminent domain, the federal government has to pay you fair market value at yeah. the time of them stealing in, your fucking land from you. In history, it says up to a thousand dollars. And that is that's ridiculous. What it, yeah, that's, it says up to a thousand dollars. For up to a thousand dollars, I'm going to keep all the extra parts and give you the receiver. Because that's the only part that you care about that makes it a weapon at that point. So anyways. Isn't that crazy? Eric's Swalwell. I'm happy to say he could say whatever crazy shit he wants because he's not going anywhere. Well, and we um, – I'm, I'm trying to just think of the right way to say this. So there mm-hmm. are also, as you and I know, there are different apparatuses that you can purchase that you can put this – you could put this Glock 10 millimeter into and it would function – extremely similarly to an AR-15, especially if I were to put an extended magazine in this, right? Mm-hmm. So, are those things also now not able to be purchased as opposed, like, because that's not a semi-automatic rifle. It's it's an app, like I said, it's an apparatus that I that I put the gun into. So it's still is a that, pistol. And it's like, so, so at that point, is that, is that not acceptable because it's functioning the exact same? Like, I don't, what? I think, it depends on. I mean, again, it, we're getting into some money. And maybe that's a fucking reach, you know. But well, the problem is, I think in Eric Swalwell's mind, there's no difference. Yeah. Right. Because it's just a semi-automatic firearm at that point. It doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. The fact is, every time you pull the trigger for X amount of rounds, a round is going to escape from the chamber and go downrange. Yeah. And that's their problem. But then that again gets back to the problem that we always have with guns and it's the legal the lack of legal definitions that define what's what right so i don't un- i don't know. it's him being there is i don't want to say a waste of time because that's anti democratic and <laughs> sad and all this but the only thing i worry about with some of these people that have really far out crazy ideas about things is they just like Elizabeth Warren has hijacked Bernie's running platform. Right. Because now she just has a policy behind everything. And it's not just words and intentions. But they somebody will pick up on Eric Schwalwell saying, if it's popular, and then adopt that as their own and carry that through the election. If there's enough people that will get behind that idea. May not be enough to win an election, but that might be a sizable voting block that you want for your coalition. Right. So it's something you take on. Yeah. And so even the craziest things like when we talked about healthcare for all you know, illegal immigrants, talk about the gun buyback programs. These are all things that might be adopted by someone else if they are being 
espoused and adopted by the populace. Right. Which is one a scary the, thing. One of the beautiful talking points that came out of Mayor Pete about firearms during the second debate was, well, if more guns, you know, meant more safety, then we would be the safest country, you know, in the whole world. And I think we talked two weeks ago. Yeah. And that's, well, that's because you're not talking about the amount of people whose lives are being saved every year from defensive use of firearms. You're talking mm-hmm. about the people that are being killed. Because we tell the minimum half a million, minimum half a million, up to three hundred and a half million people every year, their lives are saved because of defensive use of firearms. Why is that not something that you're talking about when you're talking about how safe this country is? A half a million people every fucking year are saving their lives because they're carrying a firearm with them. Why? Why is that not enough? Like, why is that not? A legitimate statistic for us to bear, you know? Because like, guns are shit. bad, okay? I will say, so let's pivot to Elizabeth Warren's response on this, because her, essentially, her only view on what do we do about guns was we just need to have more data. We, we need, need to, to put more money into research on guns and children and safety, is what she said. Yep. And I don't, research what? Like, I don't know, what the fuck do you want to research? I can give her a little bit of credit because Tell as because I don't know what the know, fuck right? she wants to throw money the at. The gun violence numbers are incredibly vague. Not clear. They yes. do not account for things like suicide or money. this and that. Yeah. Right. So, like, yes. Bernie's still out here saying 40,000 people are dying every year because of guns. And he's not talking about suicide. Bernie is. What the shit, man? I got to talk to Morgan fuck, about Bernie? this. As, as, a, form, fuck, as a Bernie bro. I don't think Bernie's got it anymore. I don't. I think Bernie's lost his edge because Elizabeth Warren Dude, is just she's the new. Him. She is adopting everything that he set forth last year, plus some. And she says she's got a policy for. I got a plan for that. I got a plan for that. I don't. And looking at Bernie's performance during the second night, I don't see him going fucking anywhere. anywhere. Well, and he looks old as fuck. You know, he like is. we all know that he's old as shit, but he's like an him octogenarian. and him and Joe Biden are both like they're having to lean in when they're asking questions and yeah. they're speaking on a fucking microphone. Yep. Like and they're having to like read their lips when they're asking the questions. Like that doesn't read well with the people who are watching, you know. And I no. don't give a shit because if you're getting it done, you're getting it done, you know. If I as long as you can make it, you can survive the next eight years, that's what really matters to me. But like <laughs> they look terrible, especially standing next to fucking Mayor Pete and Kamala Harris. They look terrible. Like yeah. Kamala Harris is young. She's still looking good. Mayor Pete's young as fuck. And like they look terrible standing next to those two people. I think Mayor Pete's the youngest man or youngest person involved in the election. I believe so. I think he's like 36 or 37. He's yeah. like super young. Yeah. Which is nice. I don't know how old Andrew, Andrew Yang is, but he's Andrew not that Yang's old pretty either. young too. Yeah, yeah. I think he's in his late 30s. He might be early 40s. But that poor but guy. This poor guy got, got no over. time. And they people fucking laughed at him. The crowd laughed at him yeah. when they asked him about his his freedom dividend. I was so frustrated about that. He got zero time. If you want to know what Andrew Yang is about, do not watch the debate. Watch the debate. See how terribly they catarized him. Talk to yeah, watch Joe Rogan. And watch uh, Dave Rubin. He ben Shapiro's Sunday too. special was great yes, with him too. Yeah, he did a great job. And I think he's the only person that I think actually he's the only like, Democrat that's gone on yeah. there. Yeah, and 
It's fucking a shame, man, because Andrew Yang's got some halfway decent ideas. And he ideas. did great. He did fit. He like the time it. he was talking, he was incredibly clear. He made a bunch of fucking sense and was super concise. Like that's yeah. No, I, I'm a huge I'm a fan. Huge fan of Andrew Yang. When he was talking, I was looking at Jordan, I was like, Yang 2020. I was like, I, that's where I'm at right now. Is he's the only one that's making sense? I'm like, fucking Yang 2020. Like, what is going on? Like, I know what the shit, dude. Count me a member of the yeah, Yang gang. I want Andrew Yang and I want Tim Ryan and his VP. Get his ass in there. Like, let's, let's do it, man. Yeah. Yeah. But we can't do that, though, because Tim Ryan's a cisgendered white male. <laughs> that's right. That's that is, right. That is not allowed in um, the 2020 Democratic so there's Convention. One more thing. What was it? I don't. I fucked up, dude. I got to pee real bad. Oh, that's all right. You can either fire through, or we can take a break, or something. It's up to you. Um, if you can rap for like thirty seconds, I can bonsai run out. Yeah, let me just pick something. Hmm. Um, let's see here. I was like, whatever you do, you cannot talk about Marianne Williamson because I need to be here for that. Yeah. No. No. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> so right. Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, Elizabeth Warren was talking about the gun buyback. Um, and. Talking similar, I think, I don't know whether or not she actually talked about Eric Swallow, but she was talking about similar things like that and how she needed people, you know, people needed to know that she was on their team and that she wasn't against them on the gun debate and, you know, she, she was really there for them. And I'm having a hard time understanding how anyone is supposed to think that you're on their team when you – this is just, you know, in a vague terms. I don't know how I'm supposed to think you're on my team when you want to take my AR-15 and you want to give me less money for it. You want to take money out of my pocket and you want to take something that I purchased and I own and I've spent time on and I enjoy genuinely that I like love and I, I do something for fun. Like it's a hobby of mine, you know, either when I, maybe I do use it for hunting or whatever the fuck other people say, like, but it, even if it's just for fun, like I know it's a hobby of mine, you know, and you, you want to take something of mine, you want to give me less money for it than I paid for it. And I don't know how I'm supposed to think that you're on my team. When that's the case, um, I, I don't know if you remember that Elizabeth Warren was talking about how she needed people to know that they were still on, she was still on their team when it comes to guns, you know, but that like a buyback was needed and all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm supposed to think you're on my team when you want to take my gun and you want to give me less money for it than I paid for it. Like, yeah, you're not, you're not like lying to my face, my kid. You're not lying to my face yeah. on that one. That's all that is, yeah. a blatant lie to your face. <clears throat> um, so I think I have just one more immigration point belch right? and beaver there you go belch and beaver um you need one? uh yeah i'll take another one probably thank you um i think that it was kamala harris it might have been mayor pete but they were talking about how no it was mayor pete saying that people want a pathway to citizenship the american people want a pathway to citizenship for illegal immigrants right and i was like I don't know that that's the case, right? Seems a little presumptuous. Because when we're talking about illegal immigrants, I'm, I am massively in favor of her pathway to citizen, citizenship for dreamers because that's what they were promised. Like that's, that's what well, part yeah. of the jam was. And that's and their what circumstances, the deal is. Like, they don't have a choice in that. I, I am all for a pathway to citizenship for the dreamers, but I'm not trying to take everybody who came here illegally and give you a pathway to citizenship because you weren't supposed to fucking be here to begin with. I'm not going to reward your behavior by, you know what? You waited out and you made it long enough. We'll just go ahead and set you up and we'll make sure that you're good to go. Like, I don't – that doesn't feel right to me. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, the same way as decriminalizing crossing the border. Like, that just seems like it incentivizes people to continue to do something we're trying to get them not to do. People don't want to use the word deterrent, you know, and I'm not trying to tie it to fucking family separation or whatever. 
history. That's the idea. We want to deter people from illegally crossing the border. That's the whole idea. That's why there's a fucking wall there because we want to deter. That's why there's a border there, a fence, whatever you want to call it. That's why there's something there in most of the border to stop that. We want to deter people from coming here illegally. We want them to try and come here legally to go to a point of entry, talk to us, apply, do something. That's what we want. Deterrent is not a bad thing. We're talking about threatening people's children and making them sick and shit to deter them. That's something else. But a deterrent for people to, to commit a crime, that's not a problem. No. Like that's of course that's you want why to deter we have people laws. From committing a crime. I, a what law the shit? is a deterrent. I don't because it has a understand. consequence. And after that, Kamala Harris said something. May or may not. I, I think it was intentional, right? But you know, may or may not have been. I don't want to put that on her. I can't say what her him was, but she made a comment about reinstating the protection for the Dreamers day one. Right. So first of all, fuck you, because the Dreamers are still protected, bitch. They still are. That's the courts even just decided yesterday. Supreme Court decided yesterday they're going to wait until next term to hear the case of the Dreamers. Until then, they're still good. You can't take away their shit until the Supreme Court tells you that you can. Yeah. Fuck you. You're lying. You just lied to the American public because that's not true. You cannot give them something they have not yet been stripped of. They are still able to continue to apply for DACA. Not apply, but they can reapply, like reaffirm their shit because every year they have to check in and, and reaffirm their status as a dreamer. Yeah. You can't take away – you can't give back something that has not yet been taken away from them. And I – I will put not even push back a little bit, but maybe just some more context to that. And I can understand her saying that just due to the fact that if the Supreme Court says they're not going to hear it till next year. Okay, so we got another year here. For sure. But the, the main problem is that there has not been a legislative answer to that that makes this a done deal over right. with. Because we're waiting on the court system. Right. And if Congress would just actually pass something like a DACA-specific bill. Something. That was not attached to some other fucking bullshit, it would pass the House, it would pass the Senate, and Trump would sign off on it. Done deal, but they won't fucking do that, just like they won't sign on, unless, of course, shit hits the fan way too bad like it is now. They won't sign on to give more money to the border or anything on immigration because Trump's talking about his fucking wall. But it's so much of this stuff, just to me anyways, and I, I might be wrong on this, but to me, the majority of the failures on a lot of these hot-button issues today is a is all stemming from a failure of Congress to do their job and pass legislation. Absolutely. The the president, the executive pen, Kamala Harris is talking about all these sweeping things that she would do right. the day she becomes president with her executive order. Talk about to, totalitarian, authoritarian power at this point. Say, Congress isn't doing it, so fuck it. I'm going to do it. Right, right. And that's, that's, that is not okay with me, whether we're talking about the dreamers or not. The fact that the dreamers do not have legal status at this point is her fucking fault. Yeah. She did this because she's been in Congress. Cory Booker can't say anything because he's been in Congress. Anybody on that stage who has a job in the United States legislature to this point cannot say shit. About DACA because they have not done a single thing to fix that. Period. Full stop. Dog. I'm getting angry today, man. I'm loving this. Cheers to this. Well, and that's the truth. I mean, that's that's 100% of the truth. We've talked about that. It's so frustrating. We've talked about it since President Trump 
talked about taking the, the protection for dreams. We've yeah. discussed it numerous times since then. All the times it's come up when we had the whole show with Morgan and we talked about that fucking research piece I did and all the different discussions and hamburgers and all the different shit, you know, <laughs> like that's, that's a deep cut. So, um, <laughs> We talked about all that, you know. There's been a thousand different conversations and discussions about what they're going to do about the Dreamers, yeah. and they have not got it done. Nope. And I don't know why, like you said, that can't be handled in itself. Because we, uh, I mean, Washington, it can. Washington just has got it. itself into this big omnibus deal where everything has to be more than one thing, you know. Yeah. And, and, and again, unless, a lot of people- it's, unless it's something like the Green New Deal or like the Equality a Act. A non-binding that's, resolution it's, type of thing. And it's so broad and so sweeping that it can be applied to anything anyway, you yeah. know? Like that's the only way that you're going to get something done that isn't specific on something else, which I think is really strange, you know, because I agree mm-hmm. that if they were to get it – if they were to do that, if someone were to write a strictly DACA bill out – would be passed fucking no problem like that would it would be done because everyone can agree on that you know everyone can agree on the dreamers because the shit's already done and they're kids and now they're adults you have fucking grown adults who are the same age as me that came here when they were kids that don't fucking know anybody where they came from they only know america there is no one in congress who's like fuck them send them back Nobody. There is no back, dog. Like, th- it's it, right? This is it right here, you know? Their parents may not even be here anymore. It's just them. They probably like, aren't. Maybe you know a few, but, like, most of them are probably already died and passed them. on. And they're doing shit. You got to be working. You have to be in school. You have to be doing things. You have to be productive, dog. For all intents and purposes, they are a United States citizen. And the weird thing is, like, the DACA program, like, the requirements for being in DACA is, like, ideal immigration for everybody who thinks about immigration. It's like, you're required to be in school or be working. What the fuck? Like, that's... That's the, okay. that's the, that's what everyone wants. That we, everyone wants a guarantee that immigrants will come here and work and not, like everyone who was even like, they just come here and take shit. Like, so you want to guarantee that they'll have a job where they're paying taxes and they're not just draining the system. What the fuck is DACA other than a requirement to not drain the system? Like, yeah. what the shit? I mean, and I am absolutely everyone can get on it, no fan of the New Deal and the Green New Deal and all this. I think John Hickenlooper brought this up, too, about the fact that we're I promising everybody a, a government-guaranteed job. Jobs for everyone won't fix the climate. Socialism won't fix the climate. Nope. I was like, dog, where the fuck have you been? Oh, yeah. Do you John know Hickenlooper funny? got booed in California during the big DNC California. thing. California. <laughs> Um, I don't know why. Out California that? way. Yeah, exactly. What? <laughs> why? This is eighteen sixty five. Um, but he actually got booed on stage because he said he does not believe in socialism. Yeah. Well, again, these he's the former mayor of Colorado or governor of Colorado who oversaw the. Exp- he is probably the single reason we have legal weed in the state of Washington right now Baller. because he in Colorado passed that bill. Yeah. It's the same thing. There's he has made it the most Oh god, I hate to say this word, but progressive city in the United States, but apparently, I don't live in Colorado, I'm not totally sure, but apparently it's a great fucking place to live. State. You said it's city. a great state. state. Yeah. It's a great state to live. Yeah. Apparently. I don't know. Jo- I mean, Joe Rogan talks about how awesome Colorado is nowadays. Washington's the number one state to live. Did you know that? 
Uh, really? Yes. I think that How? it was Forbes. I mean, yes, of course it I is. I think it was Forbes. That's when Jordan said that to me. I was like, that can't be the case. It's like, that's that can't be true. Like, because we have like the top five most regressive tax rates in the nation. I'm like, so like that can't we, we possibly have, be yeah. the case. Like, we have the worst know. regressive tax rates, <laughs> yeah. I think, in the country. We have the, if not the worst, in, definitely in the top five worst traffic systems in the United States. We have a seriously split fucking legislature when 90% of our state votes red, but all the power is concentrated in Seattle and Olympia and Tacoma. These, you know, the, the coastal elites where they live. I mean, we have a massive democratic majority in our state houses. Yeah. Where the, the majority of the state is actually a red state when it comes to actually voting, which I had a very interesting discussion about gerrymandering this week. Yes. Um, because the Supreme Court had ruled this week on a jury. They refused to hear a, a gerrymandering case because they said it was not the job of the Supreme Court essentially to dictate how states run their elections because it's in the Constitution that states are responsible. They're solely responsible for how they, they run and carry out their elections, right? A lot of people I know were really pissed about that because gerrymandering is such a fucking issue and all this stuff, but you know, I've been hearing some very interesting debate on how the founders at the at the time of the founding knew that gerrymandering, due to the fact that it was going to be up to the states, was going to be a political issue. And that's the way it should be. It should yeah. not be handled by the courts because it needs to it needs to err on the side of reflecting political people on the ground, right. right? The actual voters. And the only way to do that is to have a, essentially a rotating gerrymandering system. Now we could talk all day or about the, the parties, validity of that. The but, parties that be get to control. Or, yeah. But yeah, what if the, the parties that be. be, again, stem from 10% of your state because they're the most populated compared right. to the vast majority of land mass. Right. I don't, I don't know. But that was something I was kind of, upset that I didn't hear come up was mm-hmm. gerrymandering because the for the last few years we got to imagine at least most of those people benefit from partisan gerrymandering in their state and that's everyone, why they don't want to fucking touch it you know that's why they don't want to talk about it you benefit in gerrymandering when you're in power right and it doesn't change based off of who's in power it's just Whoever's in power has the power for gerrymandering, and then it goes back and forth and back and forth. And I don't think that you can legitimately redraw the district so severely at at at, at such scale nationwide that you can essentially change the way national politics is run. I don't feel like that is the case. You can't there cut has been state parts like that. Yeah, there's been state supreme courts over the last couple of years that have heard cases about unconstitutional gerrymandering, and they have actually been able to settle a couple of those cases and yeah. say, yes, this is an unconstitutionally drawn map. Yeah, little dots Redraw that are part of districts. Yeah, yeah, that's not okay. We looked at one like last week or the week before, and we there's were like, some "What the ones. fuck is that? Like, that's not even." Yeah, and one that's just looking at to, our own states' voting districts right, right. are really weird. If you were to just take every state and just cut it up into sections based on the population in that state, you're going to have some states where one representative has like half a fucking state, and then everyone else has sections. You know, the other nine have sections of the other half, which is like 
that's not it's correct. Really weird. Like that's and you know, and you're gonna have people like your neighbor is gonna be in a different district than across you across the street. Yeah, like, gonna be in a, a whole other district. Yeah, which would just gonna be very weird. You know? Yeah, but. I know it's it's because they didn't talk about it. That's kind of wanted to bring it up, and I had, I did have that conversation this week. Um, but just before we move on, what are your thoughts on say a fixed? Voting districts, say just for the sake of argument, say the county lines, pros and cons. I don't think that that's like that big of a deal. I don't know enough about, you know, because I'm sure that there's all kinds of arguments as far as like, well, you want to have people, you know, with, you know, you know moderate incomes or like median incomes. You want to make sure there's enough of people that, you mm-hmm. know, the median income is about the same or what the fuck ever or I don't, I don't know. I like, that's gonna, I feel like if you did it based on county, that will better reflect the population. Like the representative will better reflect the population because mm -hmm. people who live in those counties are living in the counties by choice. You know, you're living there because you've chosen to live there. Whereas a political district that's been drawn up, you really have no choice as to where you belong at. You know, wherever you fall when the lines are drawn that year. If you're living, how often they do that? Every, I think like every 10 years or four, yeah, probably every like six, you know, when the new senators it's some kind come of in or something offset like that. But, system. Yeah. But I mean, if like if, if you live in Seattle, you know, you're doing it mostly by choice, you know, whereas if you work in Seattle, but you live in Shelton, you're doing that by choice because you're like, I don't know why I fuck living in Seattle, but that's where my job is. So I have to work there. That's why a lot of but people live Shelton, here. Exactly. Because it's so close to Seattle. Exactly. You can you can work in Seattle and get all the benefits but of working more in Seattle. But you're, yeah, you could actually live in a small town and, and deal with small town politics. Exactly. So I don't, I don't hate that. I think, like I said, I think you would get be a more honest reflection of who those people are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I also think that, and I don't know that there, there isn't, but I also think that it would be kind of cool that, like, I don't know, you had to run in whatever district you were from, you know? Yeah, but, nice. but that doesn't, that doesn't tie with like where you live. You know, if you've yeah. lived somewhere else for 30 years, then you're not going to be tied to where you're from. You're going like to have Romney a went of, from Massachusetts to now Utah. Right. He's just doing different and I government get it. His jobs. values probably reflect better in Utah than they did in Massachusetts. But but it's weird. It is yeah. weird, right? But I like the idea, you know, like Derek Kilmer is from this area. You know, and yes. I like the idea that he grew up here and where even if he didn't live here the whole time, he grew up here and then he came back and he lives here now. And this is, mm-hmm. this is where his priorities lie. This is where his interests trust lie because he fucking lives here his kids go to school here you yep. know and see i don't know exactly where he lives but i know he's from port angeles essentially right the, right the port angeles area and which i think he lives near there now but yeah. i could be totally i wrong. mean it That's, would make sense yeah. especially because if you're going to be a representative you have money. to be tied to what you're representing right not just listening to the populace and then okay cool well you live right. there you should be espousing the views from your voting district. Right. And I know that his family lives here and I know that he shares an apartment with another representative or maybe two other representatives in Washington for while he's there. That would but, make sense. But his house is here. He lives dude. here. Does AOC have roommates? I actually read I hope so. he I actually read an email that his party sent out um that was like a typical day of his and so it was it was his agenda you know where he's from this time to this time i'm walking from here to here and from this time to this time i'm in this meeting this meeting this meeting this meeting and then you know i work out at this time you know before i go to bed and at this time i always call my kids and so it was cool to see that That you know and so he talked about you know i leave the apartment that i share with you know Mm -hmm. x other people i think it's like two other dudes that other representatives or senators that he shares that apartment with i'm sure it's a sizable apartment you know that they're not 
in too close a quarters. But, oh, yeah. Two-bedroom apartment. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if it's not on like a permanent basis. As an adult, it's always actually like – it's really fun to live that kind of like – dorm room like single guy lifestyle for a while when you're just kicking it with someone else well, that happens in the military all the time and it's a really it's a really fun thing especially when it's not permanent right. it's like hey I gotta be gone for X amount of time and I'm kicking it with my brother in this fucking apartment and we're doing our jobs and then we go home for the weekend it's right. like that sounds like a standard kind of like general <laughs> military schedule for a lot of people and mm. I'm Big fan. And I got to imagine there's not like an immense amount of cooking going on between the three of them, you know? No, so dude, there's that, probably them not. Them dudes order Postmates every right. night. So there's probably not a lot of debate of like, man, this motherfucker never does the dishes. Like this <laughs> this guy's always pissing on the seat. Constantly he's pissing on the seat. You know, like I'd, I'd imagine there isn't a whole lot of debate like that. Although but I, I, I could be completely we had those stories. That would be, <laughs> yeah. a pot, that would be the, the single most popular podcast in America. Like this guy political roommate leaving dude. his nose hair in the fucking sink. Like, oh. I just cannot stand it. Because you know there's got to be people it's like that be in Congress, right? Yeah, because be they're something. all just people just like us. Exactly. You know, there's dirty slobs out there. There's, you know, neat freaks. And there's people that leave, yeah, their their hair, their nose hair from their trimmer in the sink and shit like that. Exactly. But that was a really fun detour. Uh, so one of the things that I want to talk about, um, <laughs> Kamala Harris was talking about the economy for a few minutes, right? Mm-hmm. She was saying, well, you know, Trump is always toting the economy, and the, but he, you know, the only thing that he talks about is the stock market. And she's like, and the stock market only helps you if you own stock. What if you don't own right? stocks? So I looked at Jordan and I said, so that's not correct. I said, because I don't own stock. I said, but I have a retirement. I said, in my retirement is not sitting in an account somewhere. I said, Edward Jones has it, and they invest the money that yeah, I give them you have in stock. various stock. I said, and that's part of how it grows is that these stocks grow, and I put more money into it, and it gains interest, and all these other things that accumulate. I'm like, so the stock market does not only help you if you have stock. The stock market is helping my retirement grow at a quicker rate, which is good for the three of us. Like, that's good for you and I, because yes. I'm going to have more dollars quicker, and we're going to be able to retire sooner. Exactly. That's not fucking true. If so you, anybody who has a retirement not to cut you off but anybody who has a retirement that's a fucking lie if you have a retirement even if it's just small I have like a simple IRA it is held in the stock market that is where your money goes yep. that it's where it is at even every year when you go and you meet with your fucking tax person or your accountant whatever I don't even know what her title is. She keeps my retirement. She's a financial advisor. There you go. I think. Every year when I go and meet with her, she shows me the stocks that my money are placed in. This is X amount of your money is here. X amount of it is here. X amount of it is here. Some of these are, you know, high risk and some of these are low risk, but you're young. And so we're trying to make you lots of money and we're, you know, whatever the fuck. Like that's when you go there every year, that's what she's telling you. That's what he's telling you. That's what they're telling you. So this is where your money is invested. Yep. And if you want to take it out, we'll pull it out for you. But we don't have it in an account where I can write you a check right now. It will take me a couple of days. Let me divest all of your money. The government's going to take half because it's way too soon. But then I'll give you the rest of it, you know. And on and top so, of that, there is – yeah, if you have a 401k, if you have any, any of sort of like employer match. A pension. Even, if you have a pension, pension. – Boom. If you have a government or a fucking a union job and you have a pension, it, it is, is held in the stock market. It's directly to Wall Street. And so once you hear that, right, and you understand. Some people lose their pensions because the people who hold their fuck around in the stock market exactly. and invest in shitty stocks and get fucked. And so when you hear somebody like Bernie Sanders yes. talk about 
essentially taxing Wall Street. That is now going to fuck with your entire <clears throat> retirement. It's going to tuck with. It's going to fuck with the fundamental mechanism that makes this economy run. Should grow whether you slower. think it's good or not. That Wall Street is out there running the economy right. because they are the pivotal point. the The economy hinges on what Wall Street does, right? And we understand that there's massive corruption and it's dirty and all the shit and it's not perfect, obviously. Yeah, but. Millions of Americans have their entire future tied up in retirement programs that are run and traded on in Wall Street. And the only way that you can assume that your retirement's still going to be there is by assuming that Wall Street's still going to be there and still making trades and still <clears throat> doing things with your money that you put in in hopes that they can make money and then you can benefit that on top of what they – because they operate on that stuff with commissions and sales commissions and stuff right. like that. That's how they make their big money because when you win big, they win even bigger. And it's kind of sleazy, but you still win. If they're, if Wall Street's doing good, you're doing good. Some Wolf of Wall Street shit. Exactly. And it's kind of dirty and fucked up. But whenever you hear somebody America. attack Wall Street, understand they are attacking your future money. This Word. is your future they're going after here. So let me put it to you like this, right? Not you, but to you. Boom. So that the same way that when we're talking about tariffs, we're talking about, oh, you know, those prices are going to be passed on to the consumers when they buy products, right? It's hard for companies to do that because they're out in the open. The prices are raising publicly all the time. It's being reported, right? In the stock market, they know that the only people who are paying attention are people who own stock. Because even if you have a retirement, you're probably not checking it out on the stock market. Because Although you should. You should, but you're probably not, right? Yep. So they have a much easier time passing their taxes increase onto the consumer and making your retirement grow slower, all of that shit, because you're not paying attention. You're not mm -hmm. paying as much attention to your retirement as you are to the things you're buying in the store every week. And that's why there are fucking – Police officers and shit that have no fucking retirements because they got fucked over in crazy districts, you know, crazy counties around the country. Like that's yep. that type of shit happens not all the time, but it has happened countless times in the past in this country. You mm -hmm. know, it's because you have shitty, terrible people running the unions, running those pensions, running oh, those dude, whatever. So you know? dirty. Yeah. The idea of unions were great for a long time. The idea of a union is still great. Yeah, the idea know. of a union but is still great. When the union salary, hourly wage, we'll just say this because Mavis Bacon wages the the what we call prevailing wage. Mavis Bacon. Mavis Bacon. I think that's Mavis Bacon. Middle Any, Bacon. Anyways, middle Bacon. Center, Center cut, cut baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was perfect. Uh, what, oh yeah, prevailing wage. In yes. other words, right? If you're working for a state-sponsored or a federal-sponsored job as a union member, which most of the state and federal jobs are going to go to unions because the union lobbyists demand that they get access to those jobs because it's only fair that they have a right to collectively bargain and compete for those jobs, right? The unfortunate part about this, and I know very, I know a lot about this because I deal with it in my industry a lot, right? When you go to work for a job, let's say you're a private employer and you want to go to work at, say, a high school, the board, the fucking Bureau of Education has decided that we're going to upgrade this school. Right, it's going to happen. We're funneling funds through the state. Now the state's funding this thing. It is a state-run job. 
Like Olympic High School. Yes. They have to farm certain amounts of it out to union union employers. That's dictated in the contract? Yes. it has. They have to be included in the bidding process, part of their collective bargaining agreements and all this stuff. And then from there, they can they can turn around and hire whatever subcontractors they want, so on and so forth. You can still do jobs for other contractors being subcontractors. It's a long thing. But the union has to have the money in hand regardless of who they give it to afterwards. Yeah, I mean, realistically. <clears throat> but my point is the fact that as an employer myself, you have to – let's say you sign on to a job at a state job site. Yes. If I pay my employees X amount per hour for their hourly wage, if I decide to go do a job for the state over here, because unions are involved and it's a state job, I am required as an employer to submit a certified payroll every single week to the state that shows that I am paying my employees the mandated state hourly wage for that particular profession, which we call prevailing wage. Yeah. And for somebody in my career, it is more or less – I just saw the numbers the other day and I can't remember. But we'll just say it's more It's more money than I make per hour significantly. <laughs> That's the prevailing for, wage by the union. For my crews to go out and do work. For your I, workers to go out. I have to pay them more than I am making to go do that. And in every hour that I spend on that particular job has to be built out at a specific state required rate, right? So once you factor in that, a union worker, due to the requirements that essentially the, the prevailing wage that is required by the state is right. what is paid to workers in unions. Right. And now as a private industry, if I want to go do work at that job site, I have to pay my employees that state-mandated hourly wage. Yeah. Period. Which is fine because as an employer, you factor that into the contracted price in the beginning and it's all said and done. But what does that say about the state of our unions and the the work that's done with the unions? And this includes like the teachers' unions too. Yeah. Like you have to meet as a private industry what the state mandates – your employees should be paid. And to think that it is almost twice as much Excuse as what me. I make hourly for my, my crews to go out and do the work. That's what crazy. does that say about the state of things? Yeah, that's crazy. And I kind of forget the point that we were trying to make about this. Uh, we're just kind of talking about unions. But I unions, like where it went. You know? Yeah, <laughs> we're just out. kind of talking about unions. I want to talk about Kamala Harris and Joe Biden's spat. Okay. Yeah. At least once before no, this podcast. No, and I think that's about the last thing that we'll hit, and then we can do that. And- it's amazing. <clears throat> we right, didn't cover so like half of what I had written down, but it just shows it. you how much shit right. was in these two um, nights. So last week, Joe Biden made some comments that, fuck, dude, boiled down to him saying that he worked with some dudes that were segregationists, and he didn't agree with them. And he did it anyway, you know, and he did say some weird shit like, you know, he never called me boy, which doesn't make sense because you're white. He called he, me son. Right. Which he wouldn't call you boy because you're white. You yes. Know what I'm and saying? that, that but, is the, that is the Southern, the old world kind of Southern good old boy right. rhetoric for like, you know, cause at this time you got to remember never called Joe Biden was a young congressperson at this point. He's, he's a young person compared to these old fucking segregationists. Right. And they say, you know. All right, son. 
Now, listen to me here. He's not going to call you boy, obviously, because you are not black. Right. He is. He's not going to push that racism on you because you are a white guy. Right. And I understand the point he was trying to make. But the merits, the merit of <clears throat> and the the core of Joe Biden's ideas, which were realized by Elijah Cummins and many other people who are not running for president, mm-hmm. um, was that really his idea is that we should be working together. And that's not how it works anymore. Mm-hmm. That even though he wasn't a segregationist, they agreed on something and were able to get it done. And one of Kamala Harris's issues was that the thing they were agreeing on was forced busing by the United States government, right? Yeah, so By the Department of Education. So after Brown v. Board of Education, there was supposed to be busing anyway that was happening in the states. And it wasn't happening because they're still fucking racist and still shit going on and all the whatever, right? So mm-hmm. it's not happening the way it's supposed to be happening. And so they're debating whether or not they're going to – the federal government is going to force districts and states to bus students in between schools, right? Is yeah. that the correct? So essentially, the idea, in kind of layman's terms, yes, is it's to way more you, complicated than that. That is just way a, more. But it, that's the fucking 1960s, and it's 2019. So yep. we're simplifying something that we all learned about in school, so as to ease the discussion. I'm not trying to simplify the event itself, but simply the discussion, so that yes. we can fucking move on and not talk about fucking busing for two hours. Yeah, because <laughs> we could, especially Jesus me Christ. and you. But the idea is essentially you have a a inner city school that is troubled with a lack of funding, poor social situations. We have failing schools in the inner cities at this point. And the idea is to – because at this point, we're coming off the backs of desegregation. Right. And so you have primarily black schools in inner cities and things like that that are just – they have systematically been – underfunded for a long time. Right. And the idea here is to give these kids an opportunity at a better life. We force them away from their community and their school that they know and put them out into the suburbs into another prominently white school that is well-funded and has better test scores and all this shit in hopes that those kids will, will get a better education and do better. Right. And so the, it's a well-intentioned idea. To be able to like, okay, let's get these kids that are in a shit situation and get them out into a good situation. But for people who hold dear the ideal of states' rights, it was a huge fucking problem. Even if they agree with the idea, the sentiment that's being pushed forth, not pushed, that's being led forth with with the forced busing, they may not have even agreed with the idea of the, the government telling them what the state has to do, right? Yeah. Again, I'm not trying to oversimplify the issue but that was joe biden's argument he said that's why he was arguing with them against forced busing was because it was a failure of the states not of the federal government and that was his argument that was his opinion he said that he was sticking to it today that he was not arguing against busing he was arguing against forced busing by the federal government onto the states when they should be making the decisions themselves because it it removes choice it removes that public option. You're right. now forcing people in an area to be moved to somewhere else that they probably have no connection to. Even if it's the right thing to do. Exactly. Right? It's, it's just the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah. And so, anyway, so Kamala Harris gets up there and starts telling the story about a little girl from California who is part of the second class of segregation or desegregation into the school. And she was bust from her 
where she lived, home district, out to yeah. the suburbs to go to a quote unquote better school, right? And that little girl that she's telling the story about was Kamala Harris. And Bernie, and then Joe Biden looks over like, oh, you just fucking oh, went balls. there. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I am so fucked. So, so I, she, she, she tells the story right. and she makes it incredibly personal. So on a debate standard, she now has the upper hand over Joe Biden here. This is a personal attack on Joe Biden against her. Right. And so we move on from there. She she puts that out. She says, you know, if it was if if it was for you working with your segregationist senators that you love so much, which yeah. is completely disingenuous again, <laughs> I would not have been I would not have had that opportunity to go to a better school. I wouldn't have been right. able to become a lawyer and I certainly wouldn't become a member of the United States Senate and I would not be here up on this stage running for fucking president as a black woman. That's the point she was trying to get to. <laughs> with all the reaches that are in that statement. And Joe Biden Gets, I mean, he gets thrown for dude a loop, man. She he was not roasted him, and this is it was horrible in the debate setting, right? In you have to understand, Kamala Harris works with Joe Biden every <coughs> single day. They are colleagues, close colleagues. They are both leadership in the Democratic Party in the Senate. And she's lighting a fire up his ass over some shit that really has no merit, right? And he knows this, and she knows that. And it is just dirty, dirty tactics here. And that's what he said about Cory Booker, too, was that when it initially happened, when he initially made those comments, mm-hmm. Elijah Cummings came out in his defense. Cory Booker said that it was offensive, it was bullshit, you know, it was racist, all the whatever. And then when Joe Biden got asked about Cory Booker's comments, he said, he knows better. He said, I've served with him. He knows better because we know each other. He knows that I'm not a racist, you know? And he he said, he said, not a racist bone in my body, which people, I, t- I took that off there. Um, <laughs> Take my cancer rap, bro. People shit on him because they're like, oh, that's the old fucking talking point of old racist who, you know, don't want people to think that they're racist. And I just, I don't, I don't think it's an illegitimate argument. Do we forget that he was fucking Barack's vice president? It, does, it doesn't like, matter. I don't, There's no that, factors in here. Does that not make sense? Like, do, I don't understand why that doesn't matter. Because Would Barack in, fucking sit with him for eight years if he was a goddamn racist? No. Like, what the fuck? Hell no. He was, but pres- that's, like, what the but shit? But remember, that actual actual facts reality do doesn't not matter anymore. matter here because this is the matrix you all you got to say room. all you got to say room. is that barack is obama was joe biden's token black guy that made him not a racist and that is such it's such even though obama picked biden yeah i want to say bullshit but i'm not going to say bullshit even though it was fucking bullshit see how was, i just said bullshit, it was bullshit like four I'll times say it. but that is a disingenuous statement that points the the target at Joe Biden and now puts him on the defensive, right? And so now he goes back. He gets a chance to respond. So this is the one time we actually saw the procedural rules of debate take effect. And this was in night two. They did this. Did this only happened one time? Right. In the debate setting, if you are directly attacked, it's being it's you are being invoked by someone, which means you are have a direct statement being said against you, you automatically have an immediate chance to respond to that allegation, and then it can go back and forth and boom, bang, boom, it's called debate. So Joe Biden is invoked um, at this point. 
the hosts had changed, the moderators had changed, if you want to come, quote unquote, moderators, to Rachel Maddow in the Mace. house. Yeah, Maddow. That's what I was going to say. Jeez. And fucking Chuck Todd. Maddow in the house, bitch. And so she says, fucking love Rachel Maddow. All right, Joe Biden, your name has been Fuck invoked with 30 seconds to respond or whatever. And he starts firing about his record on civil rights and civil rights and civil rights. And I'm, I'm all about civil rights. Kind of weak sauce. Like he, he stuck to his record, but you know, he, he pulled out the old, you know, when I left, when I was a young man, I left a good law firm to become a public defender. Yeah. And that, as we all know, as we all should know, Kamala Harris is a narc. Prosecutor. She is a prosecutor. Attorney her, general. Yeah. And her constituents and the people that are interested in her for president have been very vocal about asking her why she chose to become a federal prosecutor versus being a public defender. Especially because she went hella hard on drugs. She so was super hard. hard on drugs and, and marijuana in particular. And now she's like pro-marijuana and like in favor of legalization and shit. And so people are like, well, fuck you because you're putting people in jail for all this time. And now you're like, well, fuck it. You know, we'll There's just- There's a reason right. San Quentin <sighs> is overpopulated. Right. And it's because- of her policy set forth as DA of California. Yeah. Or AG of California. And sorry. she, I mean, we're not saying she was shitty because from what I understand, she was like pretty quality. Like there, she didn't have a whole bunch of scandals or anything, but no. it just doesn't align. Yeah. She, she's only been in Congress for four years. So just before this, she was attorney general. So it's only been four years. That's not that long. Yep. So that's why people are able to not even conflate, just kind of tie the two together. Cause like, well, it was only fucking six years ago. You know, that you were actively doing this, that you made this decision. So what's happened in the last six years that you're like, oh, no, I'm like, fuck that. I want to legalize marijuana now. I know I was putting people in prison under three strikes, you know, for, for fucking life over a couple of grams of bud. But I want I want it to be okay now. And I would you be know? okay with that because you as a politician can change your mind. Yes. But also, if you are a politician who changes his mind, you need to be able to go back yeah. and may, and right the wrongs of your own past. And I think this is where Joe Biden lost his shit because he tried to make the point that he became a public defender, she became a prosecutor, right? Yeah. All he had to do was say, you know, I, much like you, as a senator and as someone in the, in the legislature knows that you can only get certain things done. And when you can get certain things done, you take the victories you can. You, as attorney general and as district attorney for California, put into place a policy that locked parents up for their kids being truant to school yep. X amount of times. It was a well-intended policy that had bad outcomes. He should have taken that situation, targeted it on her, thrown it back <sighs> into her face. To try and win it, yeah. And not – because this is the time where he was trying to defend himself, spouting his right. record. And then all of a sudden, well, you know, my time's up, so. Yeah. Nobody's following the time. It's a fucking presidential debate. Keep There's going, no dude. time Keep here. Going, you just go yeah. until somebody shuts you up. Keep going. But he was – he lost it. And I can't believe, like, I'm actually, like – vying for joe biden in this situation but right. for god's sakes he could have done so much better that would have put her off kilter and not given her that direct win that was a tough interaction show dogs barking yeah i think i might just let her in here that's all right she'll hang out whatever happens she's yeah. a happy girl yeah she's just happy to be here 
Penny didn't bark until we had a baby. And now she barks anytime anyone comes in the house or, you know. It's because she's protecting her favorite little one. Yeah. You know? She wakes him up. That's her which, baby, too. She wakes him up, which sucks sometimes. Oh, that, yeah. Yeah. She'll, you know, someone will come over. And if we don't put her outside, then she'll bark when they get Aww. there. And then the baby wakes up and we're like, you fucking bitch. Aww. Which is cool because it's good that she's doing that. But, but still. But fuck, wake dude. Up the baby. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. Um, and I think I had something here. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like any one thing that I really wanted to bring up. Uh, I have, I honestly have no fucking idea how long this has been going. I'm looking at the clock, going, saying it's it's four ten. Yeah, no, that's about right. We started at one twenty two, so okay. we're we're sitting about three and a half right yeah, now. I we're gonna have to wrap this shit up. Yep, yep. Every week, right, it's so. too soon. No, every week we're doing good. We are doing good. God, I could, uh, I could. Li- I texted you last night. I was like, dude, I could literally talk about this for like five, six hours. Well, and the cool thing is, there's gonna be several more debates. You know what I'm saying? Like this one was an early one. So there's going to be a lot more debates in between then and now. And um, excuse me, I'm hoping that we'll see a fucking Republican debate, but eh, I wouldn't count on it. I know I don't, but I'd I'd like to see it. You know, I'd like mm-hmm. to see someone try and step up and primary the president, but I think they know they won't win. You know, but yeah, there's no way. There's just, but I'd if, like to see it be done. If someone was going to try to splinter the Republican Party right now, Trump's numbers are so. It's so Medium. teetering, yeah. You know that like two percent could lose him as presidency, right. and this if we could just do one more because it got brought up a lot, and I can't remember exactly what night. Might have been both nights, but the question was, what do you do about Mitch McConnell? Oh, right. And the right. the segue here is essentially. Mitch McConnell runs the Republican Party right now. Yes. He would never allow Someone to somebody to run <laughs> for president unless it was specifically noted that you do not run against President Trump. You can run, but you better not say anything about our party or our president. You need to focus attack only, offense on Democrats only. Yeah. But that's not going to win anybody in an election. So ideally, no one's going to run. But as a Democrat... What do you do about Mitch McConnell? Fucking right. nothing. <laughs> right. And that's, it was such and a disingenuous like, question. And that's when so many of them were talking about, well, Julian Castro has a fucking set of just titanium balls because he was like, I'll tell you what, what's going to happen. It's not going to fucking matter because come January 2021, Clean you're going to have a Democratic president, Democratic House. And a Democratic Senate. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) whoa, dog. What the fuck did you just say? Like, I don't, I don't know about that, son. Like, I don't, that seems like it might be the opposite of what you're going to have. I don't reach, bro. Yeah. Like, I, I I told you, I feel like if, if Donald Trump, if Donald Trump keeps the, the office, I think that the Senate might flip, but, but not in that, like in the midterms, you know, not like in that yeah, same so we're fucking twenty twenty two. Right, right. That's when I think that the Senate might flip. But you even at that point might have the House starting to get close to flipping back to Republican, you know. So that's now this. I'm Julian Castro. Know, I'm not totally sure, room. but I think good old Cocaine Mitch is up for re-election in twenty twenty. This year he is up for re-election. So what the fuck yeah. if? Yeah. <laughs> But the that idea would be fucking wild. Dude. If Mitch McConnell got fucking got lost his seat, 
That would be fucked up. The only way he could lose power. Because who would be... I don't even know who the next person up in. I mean, if it's the Democrats, obviously it's Chuck Schumer, but I don't know who who the next Republican is. Um, in the Senate? Yeah. Fuck, I don't know. Yeah. That's wild. White House? Is he? A, he's a Democrat, right? Yeah, he's a Democrat. Yeah. Dude, he's fucking staunch Democrat. He's very staunch. Yeah. But the idea that that question comes up, right? What do you as president do about Mitch McConnell? If your answer is nothing other than nothing. try to work with Congress, right. try to talk to Mitch McConnell and work out deals. If the idea is the executive branch is going to do something to fuck over the legislative branch, regardless of who's in power, not a good precedent to set, dude. That's bad news. And that question would not go away. And I, <clears throat> Especially it, when you're talking so about... Terrible. How divisive the current president is that you're out here saying before you even have the nomination for candidate that you're saying, well, I'm just going to divide the nation. I'm just I'm just going to completely ignore these other branches. I'm just going to ignore the legislative branch. I'm just going to work with the courts and I'm going to do shit over here and I'm going to do me and I'm going to sign executive orders day one. And that's going to be it. You know, I'm just going to force people to do shit and everything's going to be cool. Like that doesn't seem like. A good way to combat the divisiveness of the president. No. You know? That seems really weird that that's the argument. And that's, like you said, there was numerous people, Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg, um, I'm sure there's a couple other people I just don't remember that said, day one, they're signing these executive orders. This is what they're doing, you know? And that's like, what do you mean? Like, how much power are you willing to usurp here? Yeah. How much power? Especially when you're talking about limiting the power of the fucking executive, you know? Like, that's in the Dude. same breath you're talking about the president, current president, having too much yep. power. But, but not I'm gonna, when I, I'm in the chair. But I'm going to use those same powers because, you know, f- fuck the legislative branch. <laughs> I, that doesn't make any sense, you know? If it, if it doesn't work for me, I'm going to make it work for me. And, and I, then when I lose my seat, yeah. I'm going to freak the fuck out because I don't have any power anymore because I fucked myself. And I think that it's important that people see that, you know, when you when you hear them talking about just passing a bunch of executive orders, that's that's the exact same thing the president did when he came into office. Mm -hmm. And like his first couple weeks, he was like, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to sign fucking nine executive orders for wild shit all at one time. He had a whole stack. Do you remember that? Yeah. And signed them all. I'm going to systematically circumvent the people's right to represent themselves. Right. By just saying that, hey, I won the Electoral College, so now I'm in charge. Sorry, guys. That's not how this thing is supposed to work. And then we talked about how much other stuff goes into an executive order. You know, that like this is his intent. Like that does not by any means mean that that's what's going to happen. There's still all kinds of stuff that's – so even – even if all these candidates are saying that, that day one, this is what I'm going to do, you know, they're mm-hmm. going to be challenging the courts by the Republicans the same way that Donald Trump is being challenged in the courts by the Democrats right now. Yeah. Nothing is going to be any different if they're going to continue down the same path. The only difference is that if you choose to take like a, a, a politically moral or ethical stance on an issue and choose – to not do your job in the legislature and just go out and become an activist, a political activist for these right, things. Right. 
that is a personal choice and you should be judged accordingly. And I think you should be judged out of fucking office at that point because you've systematically decided that I don't want to do my job because I just want to say good things and get people riled up. When my job is to actually pass legislature, you should give, if you're in an an opposition party against, say, the executive office, right? If you own, if you have control of the House and the Senate or just one, doesn't matter. You pass bills. You pass bills in your house. You send them to the other house. If they get denied, whatever. But if you have control over both houses, you do your fucking job. You show that you build a track record of passing legislation that you truly believe in and say, I tried to pass this. I've been trying to pass this for a decade. And now that we have power, I want to pass this. Boom. You're in. But if you don't do that, I'm not going to listen to what the fuck you say. Right. Because you have no track record of actually sticking to your issues. And that's at least one positive we can throw to Nancy Pelosi is that that's what they've been doing in the House. So that's fine. We'll just pass it. We'll keep – we'll vote it here because we know mm-hmm. we can pass it here and we'll pass it on. And if you he doesn't – Yeah. You want to force vote, the executive we'll to veto that shit. Yep. You say, we passed this in the House and in the, ha- in the Senate. President vetoed it. We passed this in the House and Senate. We did what the people wanted. And right. the fucking executive said no. Yep. It's time to get him out because the people have spoken and it's time to remove this motherfucker from office. Vote for us. Yeah. Done. I wish that we could. Do you remember Step Brothers, right? Mm-hmm. Movie it's Step been Brothers. a long time. So there's a point where they have to go out and they have to get jobs. Yes. And they apply for jobs and they apply together and they're sitting like behind each other and then also <laughs> next to each other. I wish that you and I could run for office like that. Like we could run as one person, you know? Like, no, 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 no. It's, we're going to make all our decisions together. Like, but we're also going to answer all of our questions together and we're going to make our appearances together. <laughs> and we're going to be like, we're, we'll do stuff by ourselves, but officially, like in office, we're yep. going to be together. So at the end of the day, Who's the top dog? Who's the VP? <laughs> I'm just I'm saying, saying, I'll, be, I'll sharing, go ahead and be a, I'll be a Dick Cheney VP, that's what bro. I'm saying we're sharing the office. We're yeah. running as one candidate for the same office. Like you and oh. I together are metered and aggressive on just the right things. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll be good, you know? Okay. So just real quick before we kind of start to get out of here. Like, like if one of us sat on the other one's shoulders with a trench coat. <gasps> Like, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Dude, you, know? you want to be ri- wicked fucking tall? <laughs> I got you, bro. Like both of our ideas, but one candidate. Yeah. <laughs> that See, can you imagine a ticket for president, say a Republican ticket for president with a Democratic VP? Can you imagine a crazy world like that? That would be as wild as... Uh, Nominating Merrick Garland instead of fucking, you know what I'm saying? Silver hair, what's his face? (laughs) (laughs) Is it is uh, is Neil Gorsuch? Neil Gorsuch. That's is he is he technically a silver fox because he's a man? He's a good looking older Um, dude. I'm just saying. Yeah, I think it has to do more. Yeah, with like the age and color of your hair. Because even if you're like 60 years old and you still have like not all gray hair, like you're probably still a silver fox. But is he a silver fox or is he like a silver wolf? No, that's because he's a called. guy and a girl. No, I mean I know gender is a social construct oh. <laughs> these days, so I don't fucking know. No, fox. <laughs> no, no, that's good. Silver Fox as a man. Okay, so let me ask you this: yeah. Night one, yes. If you want to refresh around who your candidates were, who would you say was the 
top winner in your mind? In my personal Who opinion. Who spoke to you the most? In you my personal opinion, I yes. liked Tim Ryan the best, I think. Okay. Um, so now, masses-wise. Publicly, yes. Elizabeth Warren, I think. Maybe Cory Booker. Um, he spoke okay, you yeah. know. Um, he was but, a dud. But I think that Julian Castro, I think he'll see a little bit of a bump because he spoke really well. Um, and I think that Elizabeth Warren. Okay, let me touch on this, right? Because oh, please. when Bill de Blasio was talking, he was talking about what the Democratic Party should be, right? And he was like, one of the things he listed is we should be the party of a 70% tax rate. Yeah. Uh, for the top 1% of America. We and I, should be. And I we was like, whoa, whoa, what the fuck did you just say? And Jordan said, did he say 70%? And I said, yeah. And she said, you don't even get to keep half? And I was like, what the fuck I'm saying? <laughs> like, you're, what the fuck? You want me to keep 30% of what I earned? So for what reason should I want to make any more money than I make right now? If you're just going to continue to take more and more of my money... Why should I want to make any more money? Because I'm going to be in just as shitty of a place. You're taking all of it. What the fuck? What the fuck? Like, that doesn't make any fucking sense, dude. Nope. Why should I want to try harder? This is when I, when I, when I was fucking looking at my taxes. I was like, why should I want to try harder to make any more money? Because I'm just getting fucked. You're just going to take more of my money. And until I make a certain degree, then it won't matter anymore because I'll have a shitload of money. But until then, I'm going to fucking struggle. And what's the fucking point in that? And now you're talking about the reality. The reality is that if any of these Democratic candidates besides like two or three get elected, my taxes are going to go the fuck up and I'm going to get the same health care. And I'm not going to use it because I don't fucking use my health care now. You know, if something does happen, I'll I'll use it. But I'll fucking use my own health care if something happens now. So I don't, why do I need to pay more taxes, higher taxes for me to take home less money, for me to get less services, for you to fucking let illegal immigrants on there who shouldn't fucking be here anyway? You want me to take home less money to receive less services from the government is what you're fucking saying to me, 70, 90% of the people on that fucking stage Mm -hmm. want me to make less money to get less services when I have a fucking child, then I couldn't even get fucking wick if I needed it. Couldn't, couldn't get fucking food stamps if I needed it because nope. on paper I make too much money. But you want to take more of it. You've got to be fucking kidding me. Like, you've got to be fucking joking that you want more of my dollars. When a single income on three fucking people, you want more of my money? For what? And this is what I told you yesterday when what we were talking. Fuck, dude? Welcome to being a part of... Of the middle class. Yeah. This is this is the middle class. Yeah. It's the people that struggle every single day in one way or another. And constantly ignored. Dude, constantly. Consistently ignored and always more money taken. And like, the Democratic Party used to be the party of the people. The the workers' party. That's what they used to build. Right. The blue collar Democrat. The old you know, like that you party. like Tim Ryan. He is much more representative of an old school blue dog Way Democrat. More moderate dog. I fuck with him. I right? love Tim Ryan. All right. So night one, you're Tim Ryan all the way. Night two. Night two. We didn't even talk about Marianne Williamson, who, <laughs> just real quick, the only part that I Winter, really want to dude. talk about is at the very end in her closing statement. She was given her, and I please God, everybody YouTube this clip because it is magical. So she good. said that Donald Trump, I've seen what you do. I see, I know what you're doing. You harness the power of hate to win an election. <coughs> God damn it. 
You harness the power of hate for political purposes. I am going to harness the power of love for political purposes. And we will see you on the battlefield. And and love will win out on the battlefield or Something some like crazy yeah. shit. And I loved every second of it. It was great. So, night two, considering her rousing ending statement, who yeah. is your your person in night two? Besides Andrew Yang. My personal, Unless it is Ang- Andrew Yang. My personal guy. Um, I did like Andrew Yang. Um, but I also... Problem was, nobody really got to hear from Andrew Yang. Right. That's if the I would have heard more, I would have liked him way more. Because we I, know about Andrew Yang from just following him personally. I but wish Tulsi from that Gabbard... Debate, you can't. I wish Tulsi Gabbard would have been in night two, because then she would have been my favorite. I think so, yeah. Um, she was wasted. But I guess like if I had to pick like Joe Biden, maybe, you know? And Jordan was talking about Kirsten Gillibrand and how she's like, she's like, she's just a little, she's very radical, you know? And I told her, I said, I said, I fucked with Kirsten Gillibrand for about two weeks when she was like really kind of moderate when she first came out. And then something happened and she kicked so hard left that I was like, whoa, what the fuck happened? Because you and I were like on kind of the same page where I was like, Let's do it, blonde lady for president, because I'm a, I'm a huge fan. And now she's fucking want to take everyone's money and she's pay off everyone's dead. And I'm yeah. like, what the fuck? Kirsten yeah. Gillibrand is a parrot. 100%. Her only substance is I have a transitional plan to Abortion get us from point A to point B. Rights. That's you like know, what she's got. She's running on the platform that she's a woman. Yeah. Period, full stop. Which and then she parrots enough. everything else. We know you're a lady, and that's... That's you know, whatever. I don't care about you either. being a lady. I don't lady. care about that. I, I care don't. about your ideas. So I'm saying I really liked her for about two, like two weeks. Like <laughs> two I, seconds. Like really, I fucked with her for like two weeks because she was really pretty moderate. You know, there was like one or two things. I don't remember exactly what it was, but like one or two things where I was like, hey, you know, I don't know. I don't love that, but I'm not going to love everything that everyone says. But mm-hmm. yeah, like two weeks, I really fucked with her. And then she started to kick so hard that I was like, I can't. I cannot with you. That's too much, you know? Yep. But publicly kamala harris i think came out on top of that debate because i think so she fucked on joe biden a bunch of people shit on bernie sanders um <laughs> you know hickenlooper talked against socialism which apparently isn't okay anymore no apparently no. not the dnc michael bennett came out pretty good he did pretty good i thought you know but not yeah, for, i mean as best as he could uh, but he's you know. so plain that after the heat and the energy of the harris biden like deal it's it wasn't gonna happen, yeah. you know. That's it's not enough for him because Jordan Jordan said he looks presidential, like he looks like a president. Michael does, <laughs> and I was like, he kind of looks like George Bush, so I could see He's that. Goofy. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, no, I you know I didn't I didn't hate Michael Bennett at all, but he's not gonna he's not gonna win the public vote. That's not gonna be how it goes. Okay, so, I think publicly Kamala Harris did it, but for me it was probably Andrew Yang or. Yeah, just because we know yeah, maybe him Joe a little Biden. bit better. Right, and I liked what he said. Like, when he spoke, he spoke with actual substance. Like, yeah. in the three and a half minutes or whatever that he did speak, there was substance to it where he was like, no, this is what it is. Like, I've been thinking about this, and this is where I'm at, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas everyone else was just like, this is really bad, and this shouldn't happen anymore in America and, the you know, the people, and also rights and women. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Sure. It's like that episode of Family Guy when Lois is running for mayor and she says 9 11. And everyone's like, oh my God, yeah. 
said like that's all she has to say and she, like that's like that's kind of what it was like you it was know? so good but so i liked yang probably even as little as he spoke i liked what he said when he said it okay I'm, I'm happy he had enough juice to be on the stage for the first one you know he's pulling at like three percent right now which is yeah which is respectable for him really good like yep. really good for someone who was a fucking entrepreneur before he ran for president like no one knows who he is yeah Yet and I think given the the debates and the setting and all this, it's more about what you say on the campaign trail now. Because your campaign trail, it used to be you only spoke to the locals where you were at. But right. now, thanks to YouTube and social media, every time you go out and campaign anywhere, it's a potential town hall. Right. Across the country. And I think that's why some of these people are. That's why Marianne Williamson is fucking there talking about like the power of love and shit, you know? Okay. So now that you have that, out of all of those, both nights, who's the one person that you most want to go out one whole night? You're going to go spend six hours at a bar drinking and talking politics with one person on this list. Who that is. For not taking in president, just who would be more fun to go out and do what we do here? Come on. You got the most fun. Man, that's hard because it depends on what type of mood I'm in. You know, if I'm feeling feisty, like I might want someone, not a Kamala Harris, because she's an attorney general. She would fuck on me if we were talking about something. She would fuck on me. (laughs) But like, I would fuck with, uh, you know, maybe like a shit. You know, definitely a Marianne Williamson. If I was feeling crazy, <laughs> like let's any day, let's do this. Like let's do it. I don't know what Kirsten Gillibrand did in her past life, but I think I could probably handle that. But if for actual genuine fun, I think Tulsi Gabbard would be fucking awesome to Hell spend yeah. time with. Tulsi Gabbard or Tim Ryan, I think I would fuck with. Also Andrew Yang, because I Tim Ryan seems like a wet blanket. I bet when Andrew Yang drinks, he has a good time. I think Pete Buttigieg would be fun too. Mm-hmm. Pete Buttigieg, I think, would be fun to actually kick it with, you know, and like have some conversations about. And that's like, really what I'm talking about. It's like, who yeah. do you want to hang out with here? I think you know? Buttigieg, Buttigieg would be, might be fun to kick it with. That's funny because I, I think strongly about Pete Buttigieg. But again, I know how fucking smart he is. <sighs> And that would be kind of hard because I feel super like he would convince me and yeah. not the other He'd way around. He'd be super interesting. Yeah. And I feel like that's when once, once you got a beer or two in him, I think he would chill out a little bit and he wouldn't be mm-hmm. so stiff. And you would be like, okay, let's talk on some real shit though. Like, because I'm from like middle America. Like, I'm not from middle America, but like middle class America. So I'm let's have a discussion. Class. Like, let's. That's yeah. what we really need to speak to during politics, man. We need to get away from partisan. We need to talk class. Yeah. Because. Whether you think it's okay or not, we have a very serious class structure in America. You speak to the class, you win the class. And I think for me, because I've been thinking about this a lot, like who the fuck would I just hang out? I think it was like a a Twitter question I saw in my young libertarian Twitter. I want to hang out with Cory Booker. Really? I do. I hate his politics. (laughs) I hate his stage presence. I hate how he is so fucking fake on stage. But I got a feeling... That dude is fun as fuck to hang out with. I think, I he think probably he's likes probably sports. a cool dude. I think he probably likes sports. And I think that I would fuck with like a... Well, in that case, I'm probably out. When I, I wouldn't have anything to talk about. I think Joe Biden probably really likes sports too, you know, so I would fuck with that. But like, 
Andrew Yang is all into math and shit. He probably don't give a fuck about football. So fantasy, maybe. Maybe. Maybe fantasy football. But yeah, I feel like Joe Biden might really give a shit about some football. You know, I'm sure there's some ladies up there that give a shit about football, too. I just don't have a good enough read on their personality. Yeah. See, Tulsi Gabbard's too hard for me because I find her semi-attractive. She's and I would pretty, probably, yeah. after a few drinks, I might throw a line or two at her. And yeah. I don't feel comfortable with Come that on, because Tulsi, she's too nice of a person. She see, yeah. I, she's been on Joe Rogan twice. I seem like she's a cool, cool yeah. person. But... Anyways. I feel like, and maybe this is a little bit racist, but we got to hit. I only have one sports thing, and then we'll oh, let's do it. So, um, I feel like when I've seen, when I've heard Tulsi Gabbard on Joe Rogan, like she winds it up a little bit. Like, oh, her, she definitely her accent's does. way stronger on Joe Rogan than it yeah. is like in her normal life. I didn't and get, I, I didn't get any of that. None of it. <laughs> yeah, no alohas, no mahalos. Yeah, so I'm not sure what the deal is with that. If like she hides it normally. Or if she just, you know, lets it loose during Joe Rogan or whatever. But And I would like to find out. But I think that that's interesting. Cause yeah. Because I, I bet even people who've been here for, you know, 30, 40 years, you get some drinks in them, generally their accent will still come out a little bit. Yeah. So, so I like that. My grandma, I mean, I, not that I've ever seen her drunk, but like, I don't know. I love hearing her talk. She's from Canada. She just talks different, you know. Fucking figure it out, yeah. right? No, it's good. Watch, watch Letter Kenny. Please, for the love of God, it's <laughs> on Hulu. Watch Letter Kenny. It is the greatest thing in the face of the planet. Okay. So, sports. Okay. Sports. Yep. So, the only sports thing that I have is that uh, the Bengals rookie, and he was the 11th overall pick. He's a left tackle. He's out for the season after shoulder surgery to repair a torn labrum. Let's see. I don't remember. A labrum. Yep. His labrum. What the f- is a labrum. Um, I'm Am I going to sh- have to Google that? I'm not sure. Yeah. Google the you labrum. You look it up. I'll look Google. Yeah. Or you keep going. Google the labrum. Let's labrum. See. Where is this tackle at? Offensive tackle. Offensive tackle. Do, 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 do. Labrum. Ooh, labrum tear. Look at that. What is that? Labrum tear. Oh, it's in the hip from the looks of it. Oh, well, then that's or it's is an that? Uh, yeah, no, that's a like, shoulder. Ooh, that's a shoulder. That's a shoulder. Yeah, it's like the ligament yeah. that connects your your arm bone, more or less, your big one right up on top there by your shoulder to like your torso skeletal structure. Yeah, hip labral. So there's oh, it's multiple. So it's, it's well, this hip one's in his shoulder. shoulder. Yeah. yeah, this one's in his shoulder. So the labrum. Whether you're talking shoulder or or hips, are kind of what uh, attaches your Jonah extremities Williams. to your core body. There you go. Interesting. Jonah God. Williams is his name, and he it's was the, he was the eleventh overall pick. And so, excuse me, now he has to have surgery to repair his labrum, and he's going to be out all season probably, which sucks because their O line is kind of ass. So the blue right there. That's yeah. your labrum. Ooh, so it's like stuck that. right up in there. So you got your rotator cuff on top, and this yeah. thing is the one that's like sandwiched in between that's your arm and your body. That sucks. Ooh, and see, there's a labral tear right there. So Ouchie. he's so he's going to be out probably all season, which blows because their offensive line was ass. And now they're going to pull one of their guards and put him over a tackle, and he played tackle last year, and he was terrible. Oh, so that really sucks. Um, especially because Joe Mixon was starting to ball the fuck out last season. That's all right. We'll, we'll go ahead and we'll see what happens. So that's the only sports thing that I have this week. Um, then I got to start hitting people up for fantasy to make sure that they're on board for, uh, you know, it's getting close. Yeah. Do you want to play still this year? Fucking A, of course. Cool. Cool. How am I going to look like an idiot every week? Yeah. 
<laughs> and I'll have to see whether Jake wants his own team this year or if he wants to just stay with Morgan. Because we discussed it last year, but he decided he wanted to be with Morgan. Yeah. But um, I think that'll have a spot or two open. I know that like uh, Aaron's husband, Michael, doesn't want to play. So I know I'll for sure have one spot, but I'm pretty sure everybody else is still on. So we'll see. Got to start fucking texting people. Mm-hmm. Um, so the line that I have for this week, are you ready? All right. Well, I'm going to get out of here. So you better prepare to be fucked by the long dick of the law. <laughs>